Welcome to episode 133 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the major victories, major implications edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's going on, man? Hey, I'm doing great, Phil. You know, we had an interesting weekend of racing around NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One. I think in NASCAR, we'll probably lead off with that, but it's definitely, even though it wasn't a throwback uh, designated race, uh, definitely uh, felt like a very much a, a throwback weekend functionally with you know the way that the race ended there. So, um, you know, we got a lot to talk about, you know, and excited to uh, go over it with you. Yeah, plenty to go over wearing the Mr. The King shirt here, the classic shirt, uh, going over all the different cars he drove. The 43 car goes to victory lane with that Jones boy from Byron, Michigan. Uh, the first win for the 43 car at Darlington since 1967, um, the 200th victory for the number 43 in NASCAR's premier division, beating Dennis Hamlin uh, to do so. So that was a huge uh, result. We'll definitely uh, discuss the Southern 500. There was a lot that went on uh, in the race for all the drivers involved in the playoffs. Playoffs? And um, so that's something we'll have to get into. Uh, Noah Gagson gets another victory in the Xfinity Series. So the Petty GMS teammates for next year both were victorious. And um, he beat Sheldon Creed and Kyle Larson in a late race battle. Uh, Sheldon Creed tried to Carl Edwards video game it off of the wall in the final lap. And both him and Larson hit the fence on the final lap. Uh, failed in three and four trying to get himself into the playoffs so now he only has two opportunities left to possibly get his way in the likes of uh um, jeremy clemens who got his win encumbered at daytona and those other drivers that are trying to get into the playoff uh we'll get into the points for both series indycar saw scott mclaughlin get his third win of 2022 uh penske has won nine races this year they've been the dominant force Though they didn't win Indy, they've won basically everything else, it seems. Um, and the points battle is between three guys, Will Power, Joseph Newgarden, and Scott Dixon. Scott Dixon going for number seven, Joseph Newgarden trying to get number two, and Will Power trying, or number three, and Will Power trying to get that elusive second championship. Plenty of action going into Laguna Seca this weekend for the season finale um, in 2022. So the first major series to end will be IndyCar racing here. Uh, Max Verstappen gets yet another victory in Formula One. At this point, we're basically looking at um, how many wins is Max Verstappen going to have this year? Can he break the records of uh, Hamilton Schumacher? Lewis Hamilton did have a chance yesterday during the uh, race, but uh, strategy did not go in his favor. Um, some questionable um, moves by Red Bull vehicles o- over the entire weekend uh, seemed to play a role, but in the end, Verstappen has been the best car, the best driver, the best team, and everything. And um, he's going to win the world championship. He's got over a hundred point lead on uh, Charles Leclerc. He's got a hundred and nine point lead. So, and as it stands right now, there's what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven races to go. So he could essentially lock this championship up with a couple of good results here in Italy, and then in a couple weeks' time at Singapore, he could lock the title up at Singapore. So for all those people that thought uh, Formula 1 was boring when Lewis was was winning, this is what happens when it's really boring. No, there was plenty of stuff going on. Ferrari dick-stepped themselves again, and and Carlos Sainz had quite a nightmarish uh, race 
um, hit everything but the lottery, it seemed. We'll get into all that and the midfield runners along with the points and the recent uh, silly season news that has IndyCar's Colton Herta uh, right in the smack dab in the middle of it. So we'll go and discuss that. The roundup, busy roundup, we'll have F2 and F3 at Zanfort. Um, Monza this week, of course, for Formula 2. They have two rounds left in their season. Formula 3's campaign ends at Monza this weekend. So another big championship. MotoGP and Moto2 race at Misano. Pecco Bagnaia gets his fourth consecutive win uh, in on his Ducati. And now is only 30 points behind defending world champion Fabio Quattararo on the Yamaha. Uh, Carnage-filled Moto2 race. Uh, Based on the results, we'll get into that. One Americans, two Americans score points. The U.S. Nationals took place earlier today on Monday, on Labor Day Monday, first time in a few years they've been on Labor Day Monday. Um, big wins for a couple of gentlemen, uh, big time championship level drivers, all winning in the four major pro categories. Extreme returns this weekend in Chile for the Copper Expri World Endurance Championship will be at Fuji Speedway in Japan where Toyota is going to try to go and get back up top, try to beat the Alpine team. Uh, World Superbikes are at Manny Core. Their season's going to ramp up here uh, here over the next few weeks. And Supercars for their last race in New Zealand's Pukakoi Raceway, uh, they'll be racing there. We'll do NFL talk, both for fantasy and in reality, since the season starts on Thursday. Uh, Josh's Jacksonville Jaguars have a lot of um, good momentum, Positive vibes going this year, unlike what happened last year. San Francisco 49ers for me. A lot of questions, but a lot of opportunity as well with Trey Lance at the helm. Going against the Chicago Bears this weekend at Soldier Field. We'll make our pre, we'll preview and make our picks for Formula One and Monza. Indy cars at Laguna Seca and NASCAR will have a triple header at Kansas. So they'll also, have, so there'll be four races there. They'll have ARCA too, I figure. Um, and then uh, Josh's Sim segment will close the show. So yeah, mentioned that Jones boy getting the victory is fourth or third career cup series victory for Eric Jones. Fourth total. If you count his uh, bud shootout win a few years ago um, for Gibbs, he's won now at, the Darlington Southern 500 twice in his career. He won the Coke Zero 400 for his first career victory. So huge victory for Petty GMS Racing. That organization, a non-playoff driver wins in front of four playoff drivers. Um, Eric Jones was up up in the top 10 all day. But in the end, the last pit stop uh, was the difference. He got out front and took the victory there, led the last 23 laps to earn his third career Cup Series victory, as I said. Denny Hamlin finished second, multiple-time winner at Darlington. Tyler Reddick third, Joey Logano fourth after starting on pole, trying to get the Darlington sweep for both races this year. And Christopher Bell rounds out the top five. Michael McDowell in sixth, continuing what essentially is the best season of his career. Former Southern 500 winner Brad Keselowski finishes seventh. Uh, one of his best runs of the year, led 11 laps. Uh, William Byron won stage one and finished eighth. So he came out of hibernation, which he's been in since, I don't know, April. Bubba Wallace finishes ninth in the uh, 45, his first race in the 45 car, helping them out in the owner's points championship battle. 
And Alex Bowman actually showed that he existed. That was something. Uh, but I guess the bigger story than that, other than those guys that finished up front or the guys that finished in the back, William Clyde Elliott II had major issues early in the race, broke a right rear toe link, took Chase Briscoe out with him. And in the process, the champion, the regular season champion, the favorite, one of the favorites for this championship, has now lost his huge points gap um, after finishing dead last and not even being able to make it through the um, DVP with an extension that they have. Kevin Harvick's car um, went to flame and uh, Kevin Harvick's head exploded too because he basically went off on NASCAR um, and everybody that's involved with the next-gen cars. So that was probably the most one of the most entertaining parts of the whole race. The Toyotas of Kyle Busch and Martin Truex, which essentially are, were two of the dominant cars, they led nearly 200 um, of their, or just over 200 laps. It looks like, yeah, so 45, yeah, just over 200 of the race's 367 laps. And um, neither of them finished. Both of them had engine problems. Of course, Truex uh, does not make the playoffs. He's going to finish 17th in the standings unless, you know, they, they recount it in some way to where Eric Jones might get it because he's won a race or some shit. But, I mean, a lot to take in there, Josh. It was a crazy race, crazy weekend at Darlington, and it's flipped the points on its uh, lid going into Kansas this weekend. Uh, right now, Kevin Harvick's in big trouble along with Chase Briscoe. Double-digit points out of the cutoff. Kyle Busch is only eight points out ahead. Chase Elliott has lost his lead and now is only 14 points above the cutoff. So that after having whatever, 20, 30, 20-point lead going in, he lost 34 points in one race, which tells you all you need to know about how it can all switch in one race and why people try to win races in the regular season and win stages. Because if you don't, races like that can happen. You could be really screwed. Yeah, I mean, this race was definitely a... Uh very wild and uh, chaotic race uh, for all the playoff contenders uh, mostly. And, you know, I think, um, you know, for Chase Elliott, you know, it's a good thing that he won the regular season title and got the bonus because uh, that 15 point cushion that he had is basically is what's keeping him from being um, eliminated, not eliminated right now. That's protecting him. Um, And if it wasn't for that, then we would be talking about Chase Elliott, uh, already on on the outside looking in going into Kansas uh, so that that's a you know major major story uh, development here um, shows that nobody's vulnerable or you know invincible uh, in this not even Chase Elliott or uh, Kyle Larson although Kyle Larson you know beginning of the race when he had his engine issues thought you know that'd be it for him uh goes down three laps but you know somehow manages to get all those laps back and salvages a 12th place finish there and uh able to uh keep ahead in the uh point standings uh ahead of uh 12th uh so he's able to continue on without um not as much uh, concern as chase elliott but uh certainly um still his points gap to uh 12th place uh is not as great, but you know, still able to salvage the finish there. And then, you know, Kevin Harvick, like we talked about, um, had a issue with the car catching on fire. You know, the pieces of rubber uh, catching on to the rocker panels and then igniting, and then the car ignited on fire. And then you have fire coming into the cockpit of the car and pulled over. And NASCAR uh, took a while for NASCAR to throw the yellow there, but 
um, yeah, Harvick very, very unhappy as he should be. And I'm sure uh, Tony Stewart's got the pocketbook lined up ready to pay the fines uh, for him and uh, his crew chief, Roddy Childers, both of them going off on Twitter after the race and, you know, basically criticizing NASCAR and their uh, next-gen car design. Um, you know, so so great next-gen car. You know, it's a great car, uh, according to what they are telling you on the, on the TV. And uh, we've seen great races, but, you know, it's... um. Certainly, there have been a lot of issues uh, you know, with crashing and cars catching on fire. So, uh, a lot of a lot of issues they're gonna have to look into this season. And then, um, then you know, later on in the race, the last caution, Cody Ware uh, hit the wall once again after hitting it earlier uh, in the race. In you know, stops on the track, and uh, Martin Truex Jr. falls out of the race. Uh, you know, he'd already given up the lead to. Kyle Busch and uh, engine issues were beginning to plague him and then he pulls into uh, the garage and then during the same caution Kyle Busch's engine started uh, sputtering and uh, smoke started pouring out of the pipes so yeah that was a very chaotic uh, scene of events there and then of course that allows uh, Eric Jones to go and take the lead uh, off of that sequence and you know from there I think as long as he stayed up in front and everything I'd pretty much knew that Eric Jones is going to win this race. Um, he was, uh, basically, you know, out in clean air. Uh, you know, there's a couple times where the lap cars, uh, lap traffic, Danny Hamlin allowed, uh, was able to, you know, get up close to him, but, you know, you really need to be able to have a, a lot of drive off, off of uh, turn two and off of turn four to really, uh, be able to, you know, make a pass, uh, at Darlington. Um, you know, I think, I think for this car, you know, Darlington and Martinsville really kind of bring out the flaws where, you know, Basically, they need more power or they need more tire wear. Uh, so pick one or the other there, I think, and think they'll make it a little bit more interesting uh, as far as lead changes. But, you know, then again, Darlington is a very tough track to pass in general, even before this uh, package. So, um, you know, still still a um, tough track to get around and, you know, make things happen. It's definitely very much a, a driver's track here. But, yeah, the chase uh or the playoffs very very uh volatile throughout uh most of the field and you know i think what it was like nine out of the 16 eligible drivers right now in the playoffs all had some kind of issue uh here and you know it's going to be interesting as we go into kansas um which isn't as a wild or chaotic race and then we have bristol to end this first round uh how things are going to play out and what strategies are going to be taken to you know either get yourself into the playoffs like now Kevin Harvick or Chase Briscoe or Austin Dillon, Austin Sindrick, um, they're going to have to figure out how to either point their way in or uh, win their way in into the next round. Or, you know, guys like Chase Elliott or Kyle Larson who um, now have to uh, stop the bleeding and, you know, figure out a way to uh, not keep themselves from falling any further uh, into the elimination zone here as we, you know, go over the next two weeks here in, in this playoffs. Yeah, the pressure is on. I mean, Dillon... We can question his, you know, validity of being in the playoff or having any, you know, true meaning. What is he adding to the to the whole procession? He only finished seventeenth. He wasn't the worst. I mean, the track house team had issues. Daniel Suarez had to serve a drive through penalty at the start of the race because they failed inspection multiple times. Oh, so they had a bad, a horrible night. You know, Kyle Busch, as I mentioned earlier, uh, blowing up had one of the best cars. You know, the the and then Austin Sindrick. So those are really the people that were affected the most. I mean, the 14 cars had horrendous luck 
Uh, they've probably made a lot of their bad luck in, in, in ways with some of the decisions they made over the season. Um, it's starting to wear on, um, on Klossmeyer, it seems. I think he came out on social media and mentioned some things about how it's been. So it, you could see that it's, it's really wearing on the organization or wearing on them. Uh, but a huge win for Petty GMS, um, for Richard Petty in the 43 car. They're 19th in points, and they, they've had good runs this year, uh, but to get that victory is huge momentum builder going into next year. Um, so that's something to see what, what can we expect from that 43 team with Eric Jones, Dave Allens. It looks like they're going to re-up with Eric Jones. Uh, the Maury Gallagher has invested in this organization, and in the process, they have brought themselves back into play. So another new organization comes into the cup series and wins you have track house colleague has had their moments this year but they're there and are in play for kyle bush and then you have petty gms another new organization going and uh, uh winning this year 16 uh what is it 17 different winners this year in the cup series is that the number am i right on that or is it 16 um uh it's, it's 16. 17 winners now because remember kurt bush not yeah. currently driving right now he was the 15th guy, then Austin Dillon, 16th, and now Eric Jones, the 17th different winner now. Cool, cool. I, I, I was I was getting mixed up there on the number uh, probably because of Kurt. So 17 winners in 27 races, unheard of in the history of NASCAR. And I think there are a couple other guys that are still out there, Martin Truex, of course, being one of them, uh, Brian Blaney being another. So, you know, and uh, they could – both win a race here it wouldn't be shocking and um it would be good for um it would be good for the uh, organization or good for them so that's something we will see um as we go along i mean the the points uh going into this weekend's race as mentioned joy Logano has a 38 point lead on the cutoff he has a six point lead on william byron eight point lead on denny hamlin in third 10 on christopher bell and 15 on Tyler Reddick, that's your top five. Ryan Blaney moves up from 16th to 6th. Uh, he's 20 points over the cut. Kyle Larson, Ross Chastain, Clyde, and Bowman are your top 10. Kyle Busch is 11th plus 8 above the cut line. Daniel Suarez is plus 2 above the cut line in 12th over Austin Sindrick. Um, and then in 13th, Austin Dillon is 4 points back of the cut. and uh, So that's 6 back overall. Then the pain really starts at Chase Briscoe, who's minus 10, and Kevin Harvick, who is minus 13 um, after one race. Uh, we'll see what happens at Kansas. Of course, they raced there earlier in the season. In the Xfinity series uh, mentioned earlier, or uh, before I actually move forward in the Owner's Points Championship, the only deviation is the 45 cars, 10th in the Owner's Points uh, championship that's essentially the spot where Blaney would have been if there were if he had actually won in the regular season he's not involved in the owner's points championship the 45 is so the 45 is uh, right now in there by seven points or nine points to the good um, after the run that Bubba had on Sunday uh, Noah Gagson wins 
for the fourth time this year, second time at Darlington and ninth of his career. So he's had a career season. It's worked out to where he's going to end up being in the uh, Cup Series next year as well. He is, um, even with that though, right now with two races to go, A.J. Allmendinger has a 51-point lead um, going into Kansas, so he could lock up the regular season title uh, this coming weekend if he has a good run over, over Ty Gibbs. But all those four, the Allmendinger, Gibbs, Allgaier, Gregson, are the four that really are running up front and have a chance. Allmendinger got another top five, uh, finishing third. Allgaier finished fourth. And Ty Gibbs finished sixth. So those are the guys. Uh, the only two people that weren't uh, in that, that aren't in that mix were Sheldon Creed and Kyle Larson, who were the two of the three guys that are involved in that crazy finish. There wasn't a whole lot that happened. Darlington's one of the shorter races they have all year. And there's not a whole lot that's going to take place. If you don't really qualify well, you're going to have a hard time of um, making it or doing anything. Christopher Bell actually finished seventh in relief of Denny Hamlin, who took the race off as usual. One Xfinity race of the year. Uh, he took off because of the, the after effects of Daytona wreck. Uh, Josh Berry, eighth. John Hunter Nemechek, ninth, after getting pile drive by Anthony Alfredo, who was puking and was ill, but then they still let him race. Um, and then Austin Hill finished 10th. In the uh, point standings, Ryan Sieg is now 16 points ahead of Sheldon Creed with two races to go um, to for the cutoff. And that's really what the battle is. I mean, Hemrick is pretty much okay uh, to make the playoff as it stands. He has playoff points, too. Um, Herbst is the first driver without a win at eighth, and he's had bad luck last week. He had a good race car, but bad luck now. He's only three points ahead of Sam Mayer. So really the top ten are locked in. Castle's kind of in peril, but not really. Ryan Sieg now has a real problem with two races to go because Sheldon Creed has got momentum. Josh, um, I think that's really A.J. Allmendinger going and possibly winning the regular season title, giving himself those extra playoff points, which, as we've seen already, can play a huge role whether you stay in the playoffs or not. Uh, but we have kind of figured out that Gagson, when he puts his mind to it, he seems to be able to do the job finally. Um, it's been questionable for a lot of his career, um, his um, focus or his seriousness, but it seems like this year something has switched um, for the good, and he seems to be doing a very strong job, and he is a favorite. He's one of the four Guys, one of those four guys I is going to make it win the championship. For, in my estimation, I figure I have a hard time believing, and that that won't be the final four at Phoenix. Uh, but uh, Gregson gets a victory. Almendinger continues to prove why, even though they don't, they're lacking pace at uh, College Racing. He's done the job to keep them in the in the mix, and he's trying to get that elusive NASCAR championship in his career. Same for Allgaier. Um, Gibbs, who might be in play and might be moving up the cup next year, wants that Xfinity title before he moves up too. So um, interesting between those guys for sure um, in the Xfinity series. And Sheldon Creed now in recent weeks has all of a sudden inserted himself back into a possibility to make the playoffs, which may have not been uh, a thought possible maybe two months ago yeah i mean for austin or yeah for sheldon creed um i was about to confuse him with austin hill but he's already in but sheldon creed his teammate of course um 
he's been it's been an interesting season for him because I feel like you know if it weren't for a lot of DNFs that he's had, he probably would have been already into the playoffs already. But now, of course, on the outside looking in, still. But uh, he's got some good tracks. I think that suit his skills got uh, coming up. Um, I think Kansas uh, for for him. I think it's a good track. They've ran a uh, mile and a half uh, pretty well this year in the two-car. Um, he's had fairly good results at uh, Las Vegas, uh, Atlanta, of course, super speedway mile and a half, but still a mile and a half. Uh, Charlotte ran well there. Um, you know, um, Nashville, uh, Atlanta, all, all good places where he's ran well. But, um, you know, just uh, for him, it's just more of a issue of being able to finish races this year. So uh, he's starting to come along here in the Xfinity Series. And I think, you know, this race here is proof uh, of that, you know, running up front at Darlington and, you know, had a shot to get the uh, the win uh, there. But, you know, Kyle Larson uh, trying to, you know, take the win away from him. And, you know, to his credit, they he said he didn't do anything wrong. But, you know, it's just a product of a hard racing between those two drivers in the final laps and makes it, you know, exciting for um, us as fans to watch. Uh, makes the finish interesting, of course. And, you know, then Noah Gregson kind of comes out of nowhere to, you know, be able to win the this race. And, you know, Gregson continuing to add to his uh, win totals this year. And, you know, like you said, he is, I think he is taking it, you know, seriously because I think he knows that, um, he has a chance this year to possibly win this title and add on to the fact that, you know, he's going to cup next year and you want, you want to be able to uh, look your best, I guess, as a driver, as you um, continue to finish out this year and um, move up into cup, you know, you want to be able to mature as a driver. And I think, you know, maybe we're seeing that here him actually uh, maturing, be able to, um, you know, finish races out, maximize um, points and, and, um, you know, stay alive in the championship, I think for, no, Gregson, I think those are things he's trying to focus on right now. And certainly you know, he's in the right place at the right time uh, with the way that finish played out between Larson and, and Creed. So uh, I think um, Gregson probably a real shot to win the title. Um, you know, of course, things can happen, but, you know, I definitely believe he's got a, um, a very viable shot here. And, you know, I, I think, you know, if Sheldon Creed, you know, if he's able to, uh, I don't know if he'll win next couple weeks, but, you know, I, I definitely think it's very possible that he could end up pointing his way in. Um, I think it's very possible for him to get top tens and stage points at both races coming up here. So we'll have to see uh, what happens uh, as they get, you know, as they get closer, you know, to both these races. And, um, you know, you talked about AJ Allmendinger as well. I mean, obviously I think he's going to lock up the regular season title and they'll provide insurance at least for the first round, um, you know, as we, go throughout um, the Xfinity playoffs. So, um, you know, not, not too worried about Almondinger there, but I will say for this race, uh, the way that this race played out, um, kind of reminiscent of uh, 2003 Darlington cup race in a way, except the beating bang happened on, on the backstretch and, you know, on the uh, first two corners rather than, you know, in the uh, front stretch coming to the checkered like it did with Craven and uh, Kurt Busch back in 2003. And I guess in this scenario, Gregson is uh, uh, Dave Blaney because, yeah, you know, if it happened on any other part of the track, I think, you know, Dave Blaney would have been the winner that day. And, and this time, you know, Noah Gregson, uh, the winner. So, um, you know, Darlington always provides a lot of you know, exciting finishes if uh, two drivers are able to, um, you know, get side by side and um, either beat and bang on 
against each other or guy behind them uh, able to take advantage of the victory there. So, um, you know, I think overall this weekend, um, pretty interesting racing. You know, a lot of a lot of things that happened both on the Cup side and on the Xfinity side. And you'll know, we'll have to see in both series, you know, how um, th- this race in particular influences the next two races uh, as we wrap up the regular season for Xfinity and, you know, as we go through the first round of the playoffs for uh, the Cup series. Yeah, and we'll definitely get into that here later on with the uh, previews and picks for Kansas. Um, but yeah, it's really those big four. Uh, essentially, ten spots are locked in. I would say for the points, uh, really, it's Landon Castle, Ryan Sieg, who's now in 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 trouble. Um, that's something he was in trouble when Clements won, and he was going to get knocked out of the playoffs, and he was going to put a big big issue for colleague uh the encumbered victory saved ryan sieg but instead sheldon creed has um went on a recent tear and um he's run very he has three top fives which doesn't sound like a lot but you look at some of the other people that he's around that's essentially par for the course he has 10 top tens brandon brookshot jones has less top tens than him and then the three drivers ahead of him have less as well so you know i think creed it took him a while to figure it out in the in the arca series but then he did in the trucks it took him a little bit and he figured it out this year it's been the same thing everyone thought he was going to be up there with austin hill and Austin Hill's been more consistent. But then you can also add the notion that the Austin Hill 21 team, that team ran all year last year. They're essentially building a new team, Stankiewicz coming with uh, Sheldon Creed from the trucks and GMS. They had to build a whole new team, essentially, um, with Wheel and Engineering as a sponsor. And now they're starting to gel, and they might be gelling at the right time. Um, he'll be very dangerous if he does get into the playoffs, but he needs to make up 16 points in the next two weeks or win. Um, and then if he wins, then it becomes a real battle between Sieg and Castle for that last um, playoff spot. Uh, so we'll get into all that in a little while. IndyCars ran at Portland International Raceway for their usual stop now. Um, they had issues with the monitor on the front stretch, uh, delaying practice for a little while uh, on Friday. They started making memes and the whole bit off of that, but... One thing that isn't memeable is uh, Scott McLaughlin uh, being uh, really effing fast. Um, the Thirsty Threes get another victory, the third victory of the season for Scotty McLaughlin. A uh, masterful performance yesterday there and in his victory in the Grand Prix of Portland, leading 104 of the race's 110 laps. He ends up uh, beating his teammate Will Power by I guess what is it one point something they don't give you the they don't give you the the rundown based on time like by a number of seconds back here but uh, beats Will Power there third was Scott Dixon Paddle Award fourth Graham Rahal started eleventh Graham Rahal oh uh, Dixon from sixteenth to third Graham Rahal from eleventh to fifth after his teammate Christian Lundgaard qualified on the front row. Um, issues or, or third and and bad issues during the day which left him outside the top 20 but he was really good and really fast Colton Herta which we're gonna get into in a little bit finished sixth Rossi seventh Joseph Newgarden who went into this race if two points behind his teammate lost uh, willpower lost a lot of ground lost 17 points plus another two 
points in regards, or at least one more, or lost 18 points because of the, the or no, he didn't lose points because Scott McLaughlin qualified on pole. All right. Um, Callum Eilat gets a top 10 for Junkos Hollander, and Felix Rosenquist finished 10th. Uh, the points going uh, after this race, we've got to go and bring that up. Uh, Will Power leads by 20 over Joseph Newgarden and Scott Dixon. That's essentially where the battle lies. Uh, Marcus Erickson is got, was it 16 and 23? So it's 49 points. So he's basically right on the list, the absolute thinnest of, of, of chances. Uh, Scott McLaughlin, even with his third victory of the year, has been eliminated from championship contention, along with defending series champion Alex Pillow and Pato Award. So those guys, uh, Pillow and Award, are battling for sixth in points. Um, Herda and Rossi for and Rosenquist between eighth and eighth and uh, tenth. So that's going to be interesting to see what those guys are able to do. Marcus Erickson does have the Indy 500 win this year, so he can take solace in that. But he's going to have to battle McLaughlin more than likely for that fourth place in points. But yeah, Josh, it's three drivers in reality left for this championship, as we mentioned earlier. But um, Scott McLaughlin showed everybody why he might be a big threat next year for this IndyCar championship with a dominating performance at Portland. Yeah, I think for uh, Scott McLaughlin, you know, going into this year, um, you know, maybe there were some questions about him, but um, you know, I think all along, um, you know, I, he's a Penske material, you know, uh, he's uh, been a Penske driver through uh, DGR uh, for a while now. And, um, you know, just took a year for him to be able to become an Indy car driver. Had to go through uh, last year, take his lumps uh, and struggles last year. But, um, you know, this year came right out of the gate and has been fast uh, for the most part this year. You know, the middle of the season was a little bit of a lull, but uh, lately in the last couple of weeks, he's uh, been, been pretty hot. Uh, in terms of um, his performance, and you know, now this uh, race, you know, dominated this one very thoroughly. Um, denies Will Power a chance to potentially clinch or all but clinch uh, the championship title uh, in Portland. Uh, so we'll have to see next week. But um, you know, McLaughlin had it ran an excellent race, uh, and they, you know, his crew gave him a fast car. Uh, his team gave him a fast car this weekend. So um, you know, I'm really excited to see you know what. Uh, McLaughlin brings to the table next season um, if he can truly become a, a champion uh, championship contender and um, you know show his uh, team that you know they can uh, go up against Will Power and Scott Dixon head to head and you know this is uh, maybe the beginning of the next star in IndyCar maybe you know he begins to rival his teammate Joseph Newgarden of course still the future I think um, uh, in IndyCar for uh, Team Penske, and so it's going to be interesting the dynamic between uh, those two teammates in particular as we you know go through the next couple of years of racing in IndyCar, and if you know if they're able to uh, you know really uh, go head to head and push each other. But you know I think for the rest of the field, you know willpower, like I said, um, going into the weekend, I previously said that I felt like he probably needed to win this race to uh, you know lock up the title, but finished second uh, in this race, so not quite, and leaves a little bit of the door open for Joseph Newgarden if anything happens at uh, Laguna Seca. So, um, yeah, I think uh, Will 
all but won the race and uh i think he did what he needed to do ultimately just didn't win so um i think for you know for willpower it's a you know going into the next weekend it's just gonna be a question of uh if he can pull off the victory or at least get a you know good finish because um i think this is his title to lose so we'll see you know we'll see what happens going into next week uh at laguna seca but i think one driver that really kept his championship title hopes alive was uh, Scott Dixon. Of course, going from 16th to third, uh, you know, this track pretty impressive. He put on a, a lot of uh, good moves throughout the race. You know, one in particular um, put a move on uh, Renus VK uh, early on in the race uh, to take position. Uh, you know, then you know later on um, he was able to use the uh, different tire strategy than the rest of the field. You know, he had an alternate strategy started off on the primary tires and then he went to the alternates uh and you know he's able to use uh that strategy to um get himself up into third place and um you know at at the end of the race you know, had a bit of an issue with uh, Paul, uh Pato award and Pato had to uh let him go um Pato, of course penalized uh and had to finish in fourth and took a little bit of damage as well so um yeah i think for dixon you know, continue to show why, you know, he's still one of the greatest in this series, even if he didn't win the race and, you know, he's able to come back from a rather poor qualifying effort, go and get a podium and keep his championship hopes live, at least uh, mathematically. So, yeah, I think overall, you know, this is a solid race, you know, not, not too much happened in this race. You know, of course, um, you know, it was the incident with uh, Jimmy Johnson and uh, Renus VK. That was the only real major incident of this race. Uh, and Connor Daly, I think, had an issue with his car and he had to retire early from the race. But, um, you know, incident-wise, nothing too much happened. But, you know, I think there was some solid racing, especially uh, throughout the field um, and, you know, throughout the, um, you know, first section of the track, first sector um, where there's a lot of uh, passing going on, going into the, you know the first chicane, and then um, you know, I think um, in, after that first chicane, um, there was some some passes being attempted where you know there's not a whole lot of room, and then you, know, you have that uh, back straight where you can use the the draft going into the final section of the track. So um, overall, I felt like you know solid racing here uh, at uh, Portland uh, Speedway this or Portland International Raceway this past weekend. Yeah, and I mean that's that's one battle, the uh, the battle between Power, uh, New Garden, and and Dixon for the points championship, the rookie battle. Lundgaard had a great start to the weekend, and the race started well, good qualifying, but uh, he is only five points ahead of David Malukas for the rookie of the year championship, which has been a tight contest between those two. Um, Malukas probably got robbed for Indy Five Hundred rookie of the year that. You know, that result was a big one for them. Uh, Chevrolet is going to win the Constructors' Championship. So that's a uh, pit stop competition is between the Penske 3 and 12. So that's uh, something. Um, you know, the pole P1 award, of course, Will Power has four. McLaughlin has three. Um, he has also three wins. So that's a three-point lead he has on Will Power. But Will Power, of course, wants the big one. Um, the Force for Good champion, Force for Good challenge was um, won by Joseph Newgarden earlier this year. He won once on each of the three types of racetracks, winning just over a million dollars for his charity. So that's something uh, for Joseph Newgarden, even if the championship doesn't go his way. But we will preview that here in a little bit. Uh, the uh, race at uh, the Dutch Grand Prix was uh, pretty straightforward. 
They're not. I mean, I guess I can't. I can't say that it wasn't as straightforward for Max Verstappen uh, with strategy calls that were made as the race went on. Um, they don't have it on Racing Reference. That's lovely. I wanted a better breakdown of it. But um, Max Verstappen goes and gets the victory yet again at uh, the Dutch Grand Prix. He has won uh, the last. What is it? Five five races he's won um the last time he didn't win a race was was at uh, the british grand prix he has uh just go on the formula one website and save myself the trouble with this uh that's not why right. on formula there you go the uh what is it the terms mm-hmm. understandings maybe i'll do that that's what i wanted it'd be nice if they could just go and break it down and tell you the statistics of what who's done what whatever you know like i don't i want to see how many wins a guy has i don't want to see what the oh well whatever he's got a lot of wins how about that one uh he has a 109 point lead now over Charles leclerc and sergio perez who are tied for second leclerc gets a podium a rare podium seemingly the way that ferrari does things um in regards to uh sergio perez he had kind of a iffy weekend but got a fifth place finish out of it George Russell, another top five finish. Every race this season, Sands won. He's finished in the top five. And uh, that was the British Grand Prix, of course. And he's only um, 13 points out of second, which would be insane, considering Mercedes has been essentially the third best car all year. uh, For them, for George Russell to possibly get second in the world championship would be huge, which is something that we have to look at now. That's really the battle we have to look at. Uh, because Max Verstappen uh, won yesterday and uh, he was able to pass Lewis Hamilton late. Tire strategy, pitch strategy wasn't the greatest on the 44 side of the garage for Lewis. Ends up finishing in fourth behind uh, Verstappen, Russell, and Leclerc, who had all changed to soft tires during a VSC. Uh, Sergio Perez finished fifth, Alonso sixth, Lando Norris seventh, Carlos Sainz eighth after he hit everything but the lottery, Esteban Ocon ninth, Lance Stroll rounds out your top ten. Uh, there is only two DNFs, Yuki Sonoda, who was part of the RG Bargy that went on uh, with the Red Bull team during the whole weekend, and Valtteri Botas uh, had another mechanical issue for Alfa Romeo. But yeah, so see, we talk about Verstappen. Um, I can, I guess I can do it this way. Yeah. He, that was his 10th win of the season, his 12th podium and fourth pole of the year. So, I mean, he's 109 points ahead. As I mentioned earlier, Josh, he could lock up the championship here, um, after the Singapore Grand Prix here later this month to be one of the earliest, uh, uh, clinches of a world championship ever. Um, but yeah, it's his time and we're in his world, even though it's the stupidity of the fans that, and, and people who work at the Dutch Grand Prix throwing flares on the racetrack and doing other stupid shit, notwithstanding, and then the abuse for the Red Bull, um, strategy, lead strategy person because of the nonsense that went on this weekend. Um, it wasn't her fault, but you know, people are how abusive formula one has become and the fandom has become, it's kind of a byproduct of what's wrong with, I guess, the drive to survive aspect of the way they're covering races these days. And, um, maybe why there has to be some reassessment of certain aspects of the sport. But one thing's for sure, Verstappen's 
going to keep on winning for a while. Yeah, I mean, Verstappen, 10th win of the season, and um, you know he's probably on track to have the most wins ever in his season and forming the one uh, not that far away, and I think likely that it's going to be him uh, taking that record and you know likely as uh, well the championship. And, uh, you know, this race you know, wasn't quite straightforward. I mean, he did win the pole, and, uh, you know, he was able to uh, have a good start out front, but then uh, Mercedes had a strategy. They uh, went on a one-step strategy to try to uh, get the winner, at least get a podium, and it was kind of, looked like it was going to work out. And then, of course, uh, Yuki Tsunoda had an issue, and then they uh, went virtual safety car, and then you know that allowed uh, Verstappen to make his uh, second pit stop uh, and keep his track position ahead of uh, Mercedes, uh, and then um, then again later couple laps later you know uh, Valtteri Bottas uh, has an issue at the end of the front straight and parks the car there and then we see uh, Verstappen go back into the pits yet again and pick up soft tires and uh, Hamilton stays out hard tire or medium tires and then we see uh, George Russell come back in as well and get more tires so a bit of a split strategy there on uh, on the Mercedes end and cost uh, Lewis the race probably uh, there, but you know, at least uh, George Russell gets a uh, track position there. Um, although, you know, I think maybe I, I don't know for the restart for Hamilton, you know, maybe maybe he could have managed the restart better, uh, not given uh, a big draft uh, to uh, Verstappen. Um, but you know, it's all it's all uh, you know, past now, so it'd be hard to say how you play that one out, especially if you're on old tires versus uh, slightly newer tires, uh, with Verstappen. So um, yeah, the interesting ending there with, uh, you know, Hamilton kind of fading away there at the end, finishing fourth and, uh, you know, with, uh, Russell finishing in the podium. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if, if Mercedes is able to ever pick up a win, I mean, this was looked like maybe they had a chance there to pick up a victory, but you know, they blew their opportunity and, you know, for, I think for both drivers potentially get a win. So, um, it's very hard to say right now with, uh, the way Verstappen has been, uh, dominating series. So yeah, I mean, Verstappen getting his, uh, you know, once again, getting a win in his, uh, home track, uh, and Dutch Grand Prix. So, um, you know, just continuing to do what he needs to do to win the championship. And, um, you know, I foresee no other change un- unless, um, you know, unless they run into some gremlin in the garage or something and uh, they have a bunch of bad luck the next month or two to reset things. But, you know, it's looking like this is his title. This is his world that we're living in. And um, he's got a 110-point lead over Charles Leclerc. Uh, so this is, you know, likely going to be Max Verstappen's title here at, um, at the end of December once, you know, we go through the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix at the end of the year. Yeah, so he's getting his first legitimate victories on a lot of things, and it'll be his first legitimate world championship in the process as well. Uh, the Constructors' Championship going in um, Red Bull, trying to win their first Constructors' Championship since 2013. Uh, they're 111. They have 111 plus 20, 131, 135 on Ferrari, 135-point lead on Ferrari. So that one... It might take a little bit longer. Might take a little. Might take longer than Singapore, but it could be there too. Uh, Ferrari is thirty points ahead of Mercedes for second in the constructors. Uh, going into this weekend's Italian Grand Prix, Alpine has got a fourteen-point lead. 
on uh, McLaren, who has, they've been very consistent. Um, Alpine has only had one race where they haven't scored points, and that was at Imola earlier this year. Uh, So they've scored points in every round. That's part of the reason why they're there. Alfa Romeo, ever since Canada, has had a really rough stretch. Uh, But they have a 17-point lead on the Haas team, uh, who has a five-point lead on Alfa Torre. Aston Martin, while small points, they've been gaining here. They've uh, scored in, what is it, eight of the last nine Grand Prix. So that's an interesting battle to see who can finish seventh, eighth, and ninth in the championship. And then Williams rounds out the back end there in 10th. But uh, points uh, for uh, Alexander Albon and good performance in recent races. The one thing we should go over before we get into the roundup is the silly season and the fact that Colton Herta, for it sounds like, is in play to go to Formula One next year uh, with Alpha Tori, uh, which is an interesting turnaround. Uh, it sounds like Red Bull and One-Eyed Marco and and uh, Horner, Karen Horner, seem to want Colton Herta. Uh, but some of the same people who didn't want Andretti to get into Formula One are some of the people that don't want... Um, Sorry about that. My phone was, I thought I had it on vibrate. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Colton Hurd is one interesting player. Uh, he's had kind of an up and down season. Of course, he had one big win at Indianapolis Road Course. But now all of a sudden, he's the flavor of the month in Red Bull land. Uh, They're looking to put him in a Formula One car because it also sounds like uh, Pierre Gasly is going to go and take over at Alpine. So that is a silly season there, Josh. And But the super license point uh, situation is an issue for Colton Herta for now. Uh, but when you consider that the likes of Egghead somehow or another was given uh, a, um exception to get into Formula One and some of these other people have gotten exceptions to get into Formula One, I don't understand other than American bias why Colton Herta wouldn't be eligible. Um, they don't really give value to IndyCar racing relative to some of the other forms of racing in the world. I think um, Super Formula and, and IndyCar are both at, a, at the same level as um, Formula Two. And so if you're running good in that series, you win races in that series, that should mean something. It would mean Alex Pillow would be in play as well. So but that's just me. Uh, what are your thoughts on the whole Colton Herta and I guess Pierre Gasly uh, being in play here and what it might mean uh, for the Formula One grid? Because we have some other things in play as well for some other rides. Yeah, I think, you know, for Herta, I mean, it's about time we heard some real news um, on if he's going to have a driver not next year in Formula One. And, you know, for a while we thought it would just assumed to be with whatever team Michael Andretti purchased, but um, now it's looking like uh, Red Bull Alfatori is going to uh, give him a seat. And uh, that, I mean, that's a pretty good ride to be in. Um, it's a car that, you know, a team that can potentially win. Uh, we've seen them win before uh, in the last couple of years uh, with, you know, Pierre Gasly winning uh, Monza back in uh, 2020. So it's not far out of the realm for that team to win. Um, and you know, I think maybe it's a better shot than um, M- Michael Andretti uh, purchasing Sauber and uh, using them uh, for Colton Herta's IndyCar or Formula One career. So um, 
and plus, you know, there's always the opportunity of potentially leveling up into, uh, you know, the main Red Bull ride as well if um, the door opens there. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Colton Herter. I think, you know, of course, like you said, the biggest thing is the uh, issue with his super license. And you know, I think his IndyCar career more than enough proves that he's going to be able to, uh, you know, race uh, in Formula One. Um, of course, he's already a test driver at McLaren right now and seems like he's handling that role pretty well and hasn't really had any issues uh, driving the car. So, you know, I don't think there's any you know real reason to uh, deny him a super license um, for uh, Herta. So, um, you know, like I said, maybe it's a bias against Americans right now, but we'll, we'll see what happens. And, of course, if he is in Formula 1, um, be the first driver to be in Formula One as an American since his teammate Alexander Rossi. But, you know, I think this is a bigger storyline because we've seen her, her talent and, you know, we've seen what he's able to do in the fact that, you know, like I said, I think, you know, the Alphatory rides, a you know, fairly viable ride. It would be, you know, the best performance by an American uh, in Formula One in a very long time. So, um, you know, looking forward to seeing if it, you know, what comes out of this, you know, he's able to get a seat in Formula One. So, um, you know, surprised, didn't think that, you know, this would opportunity with Red Bull would come about, but, um, you know, if this happens, then yeah, maybe this leads to other drivers from Indy getting into Formula One, like Alex Plo and kind of, you know, going back to, you know, what IndyCar was in the late nineties, uh, or well, cart was in the late nineties when you had drivers using that series as a way to level up into Formula One, like, you know, Zanardi going from, uh, cart IndyCar to, uh, Formula One or Juan Pablo Matoya, you know, going from uh, cart and then, you know, later going into Formula One. Um, so um, maybe we're beginning to see the, um, I guess, resumption of that cycle of how drivers progress from series to series. So going to be a very interesting storyline to see, you know, how, how all of this plays out here over the next couple of weeks. And one thing that plays into that is the fact that, of course, IndyCar ends after this weekend, which opens up the opportunity for Colton Herta to run FP1s for AlphaTauri um, over the next, the final six races of the season, which would give him uh, six points towards a super license. And then I think at that point, they'd start cutting underhand deals or whatever, um, or he'd end up racing internationally elsewhere, whether I think Toyota Racing Series in Australia, you go and race that deal and then he'd have 40 and then he'd get in. Um, I think that's the game they would have to do. It would also open up to where Pierre Gasly could go and move to Alpine, which would give two French drivers there. It would essentially leave two spots open for Haas and uh, for Williams, where it looks like uh, Mick Schumacher isn't going to be back next year. And at Haas and then at Williams, we are pretty certain that uh, Nicholas Latifi isn't going to have a ride. And so um, that kind of leads into what we're doing here in the uh, roundup, going over the results of Formula 2. Uh, in race one at Zanfort, Marcus Armstrong won over Clement Novelak and Dennis Hauger for the podium. Uh, Lawson, Vips, Awasa, Vashor, Colton, or I mean Colton, Logan Sargent, eighth, Jack Doohan, ninth, and Felipe Drogovic rounds out the top ten. Uh, only the top eight, of course, score points in that, so Drogovic gets the top ten, but no points. In the feature race, though, Felipe Drogovic was on pole, and uh Wins over Richard Vashore, Awasa, rounds out the podium. Hauger, Enzo Fittipaldi, your top five. 
Amory Cordille finishes sixth. Somehow, Vips, Beckman, Caldwell, Teo Pocher rounds out the top 10. The standings going into Monza this coming weekend. Um, Felipe Drogovic is 63. He's 70 points ahead of Teo Pocher. So as it stands right now, uh, he could lock up the Formula 2 World Championship with a good weekend at uh, Monza. Two rounds, four total races, and have plenty of time to celebrate and possibly angle himself into a Formula One ride uh, with the big break that'll be between Italian Grand Prix and, of course, Abu Dhabi in November. Teo Pocher is in second and more than likely going to finish second, even though he's had two bad weekends in a row. Uh, The recent dry spell, four weekends in a row where um, Logan Sargent has struggled. He's still in third, which is key in regards to him trying to earn super super license points. So there's a possibility we could go from zero Americans to two Americans on the Formula One grid next year um, if Logan Sargent is able to finish high up, finish in the third in the, in the Drivers' Championship. Uh, Williams would probably feel behooved to go and actually give him that opportunity. Jack Dewin, though, there's a big battle, though. Logan Sargent, Jack Dewan, Enzo Fittipaldi, Liam Lawson, and Iwasa, they're only separated. Third through seventh is only separated by 16 points. So plenty to play for, four total races, two rounds to go in the Formula 2 World Championship. In Formula 3, there's only one round, two races to go after uh, this past weekend at Zandvoort, which saw in race one, Kyle Collette, win over Juan Manuel Correa, which is his first podium in Formula 3. A few years ago, of course, he was involved in the accident in Formula 2 that took, um, I'm forgetting uh, the name of the driver um, who passed away. He was close friends with um, Pierre Gasly and uh, um, and Charles Leclerc. But um, and at Spa, the big accident there, and Juan Manuel Correa had huge injuries. So for him to come back, finish on the podium uh, here, big deal for himself, ART. Zach O'Sullivan, another Williams uh, development driver, finishes third. Johnny Edgar, Johnny Edgar fourth, and Gregor Saucy fifth. Hajar sixth, Martin seventh. The two guys that are battling for the championship. Sebastian Montoya making his uh, Formula Three debut, finishes eighth, scores three points um, in the first in the sprint race. Oh, finishes ahead of Jack Crawford, the American Red Bull development driver, and Roman Stanek rounds out the top 10. In race two, Zane Maloney from Barbados gets his second consecutive feature race victory over Victor Martins, Franco Colapinto, Stanek, Hadjar, Crawford, Colette, Montoya, Edgar, and Bierman round out your top 10. So with a one race, one race or one round, two races to go, Victor Martins is five points ahead of Isaac Hadjar, uh, 17 points to Roman Stanek in third. Oliver Bierman is 20 points back in fourth, and uh, Zane Maloney is uh, in fifth. So the battle from third through sixth with Artur Leclerc is separated by eight points, so that's a side battle, but Martins versus Hadjar, one of those two more than likely will be Formula 3 world champion and get their uh, probably rise up into Formula 2 next year. So that'll be something to see. Uh, MotoGP 
and Moto2 raced at uh, Misano, uh, Marco Simoncelli uh, circuit, which saw Paco Bagnaia beat his future Ducati factory uh, teammate, Enea Bastaini, uh, by three hundredths of a second there at the line. Maverick Vinales on the Aprilia fourth, Luca Marini or third, Luca Marini fourth, Fabio Quattararo fifth, Alicia Spargo sixth, Alex Rin seventh, Brad Binder eighth, Jorge Martin ninth. And Alex Marquez rounds out the top 10 on a Honda. That's interesting. The standings going into the next race uh, is now 30 points. Peco Bagnaia is behind Fabio Quattararo. Alicia Spargaro is 33 points uh, behind Fabio Quattararo. So now there's three riders in this battle for the world championship. There's still six rounds to go in the world championship there. Enea Bestaini is fourth. Johan Zarco crashed on lap one, so that was a big loss for him. So now the points are a little tighter. Jack Miller's back in play. Binder there. Vinales with the podium. Another is now a third podium in his last four races, has moved himself into eighth in points, tied with Alex Rins. So, and uh, Jorge Martin rounds out the top ten. Toyota Prius models were yet to known on successor for the 300, because they're in the GT300 category. But, hmm, interesting. Oh, well. But uh, going into the NHRA's U.S. Nationals that took finish today, uh, was a very competitive, very uh, interesting day, to say the least. Uh, big victories, the 100th victory for Greg Anderson and Pro Stock of his career, joining John Force um, as three uh, triple-digit winners in regards to uh, pro categories. There's other guys that have won over 100 and ladies won over 100 races. So that was a big one. Um, Ron Caps finally wins the uh, U.S. Nationals after winning the All-Star call-out uh, on Sunday. He wins the U.S. Nationals for the first time in his career. So that was a big one for him. In Pro Stock Motorcycle, Matt Smith wins uh, over Karen Stouffer, who had issues on her run. So uh, ran a 687 at 195.99. Um, third Indianapolis win, uh, third win of the year as well. So, uh, so great, great day for him. Uh, sets himself up very good for the playoff in regards to pro stock. As I mentioned, Greg Anderson wins, beats his teammate Dallas Glenn, who red lit, ran a uh, 680.58 with a seven at 208.07 miles an hour, and wins his hundredth career pro stock race. Seventh U.S. Nationals win, first win of 2022 for the defending pro stock champion. And I mentioned Ron Caps, he beat Robert Height, who uh, ended up having issues on his run. Uh, Ron Caps finally wins uh, the first time ever a higher qualified. All of the higher qualified cars won in the funny car class. Yeah. Third win of the year, two runner ups. Yeah, so big win for Ron Caps, big weekend for him. Antron Brown gets his uh, second win or his fourth u.s national second in top fuel two in pro stock motorcycle 70th career win for him 71 for ron caps they mentioned um so big big championship the big time championship drivers all um won and then the call out steve torrance won the call out 
Um, so that's uh, the case right there. I'm trying to they you'd think they'd have announced the points there. So I'm going to get into the unofficial point standings, you know, which sees official points will be posted here once they're, they change. Okay. So now the top 10 in points are, so the 10 drivers that made it and they didn't zero them out over here, but Torrance is leading. That's from last year. So that's not okay. So Brittany force is the points leader over Mike Salinas, Justin Ashley, and Steve Torrance, Josh Hart, fifth, Antron Brown, Leah Pruitt, Sean Langdon, Doug Coletta, and Tony Schumacher, who had to struggle to make the field um, after winning at Indianapolis as many times as he has. Um, it looks like 12 drivers will make the countdown. Clay Milliken um, showing uh, being the latest addition to Rick Ware Racing's Racing Empire leaving me to question where the hell does Rick Ware have all this money. Uh, in Funny Car, there will be uh, at least, I think, 12 drivers in the in that field. Height leads over Ron Caps, Matt Hagen, Bob Tasca, and John Force. J.R. Todd, Alexis DeJoyer, Cruz Pentagon, Tim Wilkerson, Blake Alexander round out the top 10, but then you have Chad Green and Jim Campbell. Um, then in Pro, in pro Stock, uh, Eric Anders leads over Aaron Stanfield, Greg Anderson, Kyle Koretsky, Dallas Glenn, Troy Coughlin Jr., Mason McGahey, Camry Caruso, Matt Hartford, Fernando Quadro Jr. on a top five or top 10, but 15 drivers are actually eligible for the playoff. Bo Butner, Derek Kramer, Christian Quadro, Chris McGahey, Fernando Quadro. And then um, uh, Maynard Family Racing. What is that? So that's the um, joint. So. Instead of it being the Don Schumacher racing, now they're the Maynard family racing team. So that's interesting. George, uh, JCM, crew chief, Todd Okahara, and Mark Denner. Uh, blah, 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 blah. You know, Phil Schuler has uh, been there before for the uh, um, for Tony Schumacher in the past, so that's not shocking. Uh I think there's only 10 in the pro stock motorcycle. Matt Smith ends up taking the points lead going into the countdown by 28 over Joey Gladstone. Steve Johnson and Angel Sampay are within 100 points. It'll be even closer with the start of the countdown. Eddie Krawick, Karen Stouffer, Angie Smith, Jerry Savoie are your top eight. I think, uh, yeah, Mark Ingerson and Ryan Ehler will be your top 10. I think there will only have 10 that uh, make the playoff, but I will check in on that. When they race their next race, uh, here the first race of the playoff, which will be uh, at uh, the Pep Boys NHRA Nationals at Maple Grove in a couple weeks' time. So uh, we'll see where the points are when that happens. They'll run back-to-back race. They'll run three races in a row. They'll run at uh, at Maple Grove, then Charlotte, and then Gateway. Then they'll take a couple weeks off before uh, Dallas, and then there there will be gaps for the next that for the final three races of the year. They also announced the 2023 NHRA schedule, which now will start at Gainesville instead of Pomona. They'll uh, wait till early March to start at Gainesville. I guess they wanted to condense the calendar a little bit. Then they'll run for the final time at um, in Phoenix and uh, Arizona Nationals, then the Winter Nationals, 
at Pomona, which really is on the edge of spring. So I don't know how they'll even go to internationals at that point. Two four wide events in the month of April, one race in the month of May at in Chicago, Route 66 Nationals. Then the schedules start picking up a little bit. Three races in the month of June. Uh, then the Western Swing in July, August, we'll see Heartland Park, Topeka, Brainerd, and then um, September, early sep- late August, early September, of course, is the U.S. Nationals. And then the same, essentially the same schedule as they've had this year. So they've tried to condense the schedule a little bit, but maybe they could do it a little more. Uh, going into Extreme E at uh, in Chile, in Chile, uh, we have uh, the, I think the Rossberg team continues to uh, lead that that deal there. Um, where the heck did I, I say copy? There you go. They lead the championship going into the race weekend, this coming weekend. Um, they they come off of winning the, uh, was that the, yeah, they come off winning the previous race, the Island x Oh, part the uh, second Island x and then um, over the uh, X-44 Lewis Hamilton team, and then the Andretti Autosport team finished third. The uh, championship standings, they're up by 32 points on the Ganassi group over, so that's you know, Sarah Price and Kyle LaDuke. They have a, and uh, that battle is really close between themselves, the Spanish duo of Sands and Signs, and then the X44 team. They're all separated by two points. So, big race weekend here, the next to last race of their season. So, a huge weekend to see what they can do. Um, and if uh, Ganassi team can get, get a result there to give themselves, solidify themselves in second in this championship. WEC at, uh, at the uh, at Fuji Speedway, as I mentioned earlier, the standings going into this weekend's race sees the Alpine trio of Negral, Lapierre, and Vexvier uh, lead by three points over the Toyota uh, trio of Buemi, Hartley, and Rio Hirakawa. Olivier Pla and Roman Dumas are in third running, uh, I think they run for the, uh, whatchamacallit, the uh, Glickenhaus effort. Yeah, they're running in the Glickenhaus team. And then um, former champions Conway, Kobayashi, and Lopez in the Toyota are in fourth, but they're going to, they're 20 points back. They're going to definitely need a major uh, result here, this race, to stay in it going into the last race of the season. For LMP2 teams, the Jota Sport team uh, is leading by 11 points over United Autosport. Then the Prema or Lean team is 17 points back. GTM sees the TF Sport team, which is uh, Aston Martin, a uh, team lead the Northwest AMR team by uh, eight points. So that's the main battle there. Toyota leads in the Hypercar Teams Championship by 21 points over Alpine. GT Manufacturers, uh, Porsche leads by 26 over Ferrari. And LMP2 Drivers, Championship Roberto Gonzalez, Antonio Felix da Costa, and Will Stevens lead 
by 11 points over Oliver Jarvis and Josh Pearson, and then Robert Kubica, Louis Delatras, and Lorenzo Colombo in uh, third, so it matches, of course, the team's championship. Uh, GTM Drivers Trophy, Ben Keating and Marco Sorensen lead over Paul Dallalana and David Pittard, so and Nikki team, so that's the, the same as, of course, the teams. So a chance for American to win with Ben Keating and the GTM drivers. And then the GT drivers, Cup, G- Jimmy Bruni and Richard Leitz lead by three points over Michael Christensen and Kevin Estra, so the Porsche duo um, leading the championship there. Alexander Paraguidi and James Collado for Ferrari is in third. That's five points between those three combinations. So something to look at this coming weekend at Fuji Speedway. World Superbikes are back this coming weekend at Manny Core for the for their first race in a little bit. They've been off, uh, but they're going to run. They're going to start getting a little busier here now. Um, They've been off since the end of July. After this weekend, they'll run uh, two races. There's two races this month. They'll race in Barcelona later this month. Two races in, in October and then two races in November to finish their season out. Uh, the standings coming into this race see Alvaro Bautista up by, what is it, 31 points on Johnny Ray. Yeah, 31 points on Johnny Ray and, uh, what is it, 40, 38 points on Toprak Raskat-Lioku. Uh, Andrea Locatelli and Michael Ruben-Rinaldi round out your top five. Iker Lacuona on the Hondas just outside the top five there. He's only seven points out. Uh, there, uh, Garrett Gerloff is in 12th right now in points with 55 trying to go. And um, his best uh, point score so far this year is 14 through all the they do three different points scoring races so um trying to improve on that if he can do that he can give himself a chance to get into the top 10 in points uh, javi vieje on the other honda is in 10th the um supercars will race at pukakoi for the last time and uh Scott, of course, we've talked about it for a while here. Scott McLaughlin, of course, moving to uh, IndyCar definitely opened a big door for Shane Van Gisbergen, who was already a former champion of the series but and drove for the Red Bull Triple um, A team. Yeah, but he is, he is definitely the guy. He won last year, won Bathurst. Um, and after this weekend at Pukakoi, they're going to run. The next race will be the Bathurst 1000, the great race. They'll run at uh, Surfer's Paradise uh, again, and then they'll run Adelaide for the final race in the, before they become the first race again for the Clips All Five, what used to be the Clips All Five Hundred. Um, Anton D. Pasquale and Will Davison for the uh, Dick Johnson Racing Team are second and third, but they're a couple hundred points behind, about two hundred. 50 points out was Will Davison and 200, uh, about 25 or so out um, Anton Di Pasquale. Cam Waters, Chaz Mostert round out your top 10. Brock Feeney, uh, Van Gisbergen's teammate, is sixth. Those are really the guys, Reynolds, Courtney, Kostecki, Brody Kostecki, Tim Slade round out the top 10. Now we'll get into all that next week. All right, Josh, so now we'll talk some football. Um, season preview. Here for the NFL, plenty of talking points. Everyone's been talking. We've had some time, but Thursday starts the season on NBC. The Buffalo Bills will go to 
L.A. to uh, SoFi Stadium to play the defending Super Bowl champion L.A. Rams. And um, it'll be the first uh, game for Mike Tirico calling uh, for NBC, uh, taking over for the great Al Michaels. The following week will be on Thursday night will be on Amazon Prime, which will be the Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers of Anaheim and Alameda and all other residing counties, and then versus the Kansas City Chiefs on Amazon Prime. But, uh, I mean, there's plenty of good football, plenty of good players. I had a fantasy draft that I didn't get graded on very well, but I don't really care. Uh, In regards to regular football, though, what are you looking for from your team, and what do you th- look for? I guess we can make some picks in regards to Super Bowl picks um, as well. So, what are you looking for in regards to that? Well, I mean, I think for the Jaguars, I think the biggest question and biggest thing we're looking at is uh, Trevor Lawrence's uh, progression from last year, and uh, what's he going to look like in regular season form? Um, you know, so far preseason looked like he was, you know, progressing well, and he had some good highlights in uh, the two preseason preseason games he played in. So. Uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he was going to do on Sunday uh, against the Washington Commanders, uh, uh, you know, in Washington. So it's going to be interesting with uh, different weapons now. He's got um, Marvin Jones coming back from last year and lost uh, LaVisca Chenault uh, in a trade earlier. But, um, you know, he was able to get Christian Kirk, uh, Zay Jones, uh, and you have some uh, rookie wide receivers, I think, that made the team. Um, Evan Ingram coming from the Giants. And then, of course, teammate uh, Travis Etienne coming back after injury last year. Um, and then James Robinson going to be coming back from his Achilles injury, which uh, he did uh, come back, or looks like he's going to come back from, and he's going to have playing time. I'm not sure if he's going to start the game, but he is going to play uh, for sure on Sunday. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the Jaguars' offense is um, confident in the defense and their ability to stop the ball uh, for the other team, but you know I'm very very much uh, interested in in how Trevor plays this year. So um, yeah, I think uh, for the Jaguars, I think it'd be a good season if they get 78 wins uh, and um, you know potentially be a contender for a wild card spot. I think that would be a good uh, season for them if they are able to do that. Um, if if not. Um, you know, hopefully it's, uh, you know, they're able to still be competitive, uh, and, and be competitive in games, um, and be in contention like they haven't been in a while since 2017, being able to dictate outcomes of games with the way that they play. That's kind of what I'm looking for, uh, there. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, of course, defensively, um, Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen, Devin Lloyd, very excited to see how they play, uh, Tyson Campbell as well. I think he's a good uh, offensive or defensive player on the back end. Uh, really excited to see how he plays along with uh, Andre Cisco as well. Um, another uh, promising young player on this team. So, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, up and up for the Jaguars right now. You just got to be able to capitalize on the opportunities. So, you know, ready, ready to, uh, you know, see them play in week one. Uh, you know, and then they come back to Jacksonville week two to play against the Colts, and you know, we'll see if uh, they can extend their winning streak against the Colts in Jacksonville, um, going for I think seven in a row now uh, against the Colts in Jacksonville. So we'll see if uh, they're able to pull it out there, and we'll go throughout the season from then. So um, I think for Super Bowl picks, um, you know, it's I feel like it's too early to tell, but uh, I feel like on the safe end, um, I think. 
I think the Chiefs are probably going to have a rebound year uh, going back to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, in 2021, they missed out on going to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, they lost to uh, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, in overtime, but I think they'll be able to bounce back from that loss and go back to the Super Bowl. Uh, NFC side, um, you know, I have a hard time believing Tom Brady uh, making it back to the NFC Championship game. Uh, I think uh, at best they'll be in the wild card round. Um, I really believe his time's going to you know, finally come for Tom Brady, and you know everybody's going to be saying, "Well, he should have retired," uh, you know, after last year. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens uh, there. Um, NFC side, it's a little harder to say. Uh, I'm going to just uh, say that. Uh, look, trying to think about the teams, uh, I think it's going to be probably between the the uh, Rams and the Packers uh, this year. Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford. We'll see, uh, you know, how those teams are able to respond. Uh, you know, Rodgers um, didn't didn't have as much success in, in the playoffs as what he needed. You know, going up against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, but you know, the the Rams, the reigning champions. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think um, you know they're going to continue continue to carry the uh, success that they had last year defensively. You know, Jalen Ramsey and. Uh, Aaron Donald. Then on, you know, offensively they added Allen Robinson, so he's finally gonna have a good quarterback after you know almost a decade of playing in the NFL. Then Matthew Stafford, a little bit of questions with his uh, elbow injury, but you know I I think uh, Sean McVay is gonna be able to game plan around that. So um, yeah, I think probably gonna be Chiefs and the Rams, which should be an exciting game to watch uh, offensively if it ends up being like that here for the Super Bowl. So you know, wait and see, but um, you know. It's going to be exciting uh, for the NFL. And then one more note uh, on that. Uh, college has already started uh, this past weekend, and you know University of Florida uh, came out and beat Utah Utes 29-26 uh, to 26 on Saturday night. It was a pretty good entertaining game. Gators won uh, last Back minute. champions and yep. the winners of the Rose Bowl last year. Yeah, that's you. So the Gators uh, beat them, uh, had a goal line stand, had a couple goal line stands throughout the game. Um, and then a final interception to clinch the game for the Gators. So, uh, you know, very excited to see how the Gators play this year under their new coach. Uh, and, you know, I think they're going to have a lot of energy. Uh, was really encouraged by Anthony Richardson's uh, play. I thought, you know, he was very, very uh, mechanical in the, pot- in the pocket. You know, he had a lot of good accuracy, very good throwing mechanics. Uh, and then, you know, he's still able to take off and run when he needed to. So and he had that 145-yard touchdown run. Uh, in, in the second quarter, uh, so um, very very excited to see how the Gators play this year uh, under the new coach. So uh, you know wanted wanted to bring that up as well because um, you know, I definitely think they're going to have a you know chance to possibly be you know in in the rankings. I mean they're unranked right now, but I think after this game they'll probably be back in the rankings, and then we'll go from there. So you know very excited to see how uh, UF plays uh, this year, and you know. Uh, the rest of college is going to be interesting. I think, you know, with all the other teams and, um, you know, of course, Clemson, Alabama, you know, the two powerhouses, we'll see how they play throughout the rest of this year. Yeah, that was a big one. Rutgers, uh, what is it, squeaked out a victory against Boston College there to start their season on the road. So that was a big win for, for cocksucker Shiano and company. Um, Pittsburgh won the backyard brawl. Uh, late 
there and over West Virginia, which tortures Pat McAfee and all amongst others. I mean, of course, Alabama won in a throwaway game, uh, 21 to 10 for Ohio State over Notre Dame. So Notre Dame uh, going to have to fade that. Oregon takes a huge loss. It was a bad weekend for the Pac-12. Um, Florida beating Utah is bad for the Pac-12. Oregon getting killed by Georgia. Uh, that's that's a big one. Oklahoma won big in a rollover. So did Michigan. Baylor rollover. North Carolina sweats or North Carolina State sweats East Carolina in part because of missed extra point. USC rolls. Miami destroys. Um, Wisconsin destruction. Uh, Tight battle between Arkansas and Cincinnati sees uh, Cincinnati take the L. Kentucky wins Ole Miss. Houston in three overtimes against Texas-San Antonio. Probably means they're going to drop out of the top 25. And uh, BYU amongst the current top 25 teams uh, right now. Those are those are the results. But yeah, I wanted to mention Rutgers. I mean, in the American, yeah, the, um, the Amer- Cincinnati goes and loses. That's a... They lost, Houston wins, both of them were ranked, so Cincinnati will probably fall out of the top 25. In the ACC, Florida State now is 2-0 after they beat LSU, um, and Brian Kelly, who faked a, a southern accent, now is, to, is trying to fake being a really good coach. Um, NC State and Wake Forest are still up there. Clemson's going to show up for the first time starting this week. I mentioned Boston College lost to Rutgers. North Carolina's 2-0 as well, so they'll probably get into the top 25, along with uh, they have Miami and Pittsburgh in there. Big 12 had a great weekend. Um, all their teams, their Big 12, which is 10 teams. Yeah, is it, yeah, 5, 6, 7, 8. Yeah, Big 12, which is 10 teams. Uh, nine of their teams won. And then the Big Ten, which is 12 teams. Uh, what is it? Uh, looks like, uh, yeah, the nine, uh, 11 of the 12 teams have won at least one game so far this year. Uh, Purdue's the only one that hasn't. They, they lost last week. Nebraska recovered after they're getting getting anally annihilated um, in Ireland. Um, they recovered for a win. Uh, some of the other people, I'm trying to look for... Oh, I didn't know there was that many independents. Jesus. Um, there are seven independent teams. Okay. Uh, BYU, Liberty, fuck them. UConn. I thought they were in the Big East or whatever. They were. Uh, yeah, because there's like 856 teams in college football, Division One. Yeah, Boise State lost. Okay, that's what I was looking for. Um, Vanderbilt's 2-0, so credit to them early in the season. Um, so might, might have a chance there. Uh, Georgia, Kentucky, and of course Alabama, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M. The SEC West is really, really tough. Uh, you have four ranked teams there, so good luck <laughs> trying to get out of the SEC West when Alabama's just staring at you, um, for sure. Uh, for me, when it comes to pro football, uh, 49ers are are there, and uh, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of thoughts in regards to how the San Francisco 49ers have handled their roster in large part with um, Trey Lance uh, being the starter, but then bringing Jimmy Garoppolo back on a um, on a team friendly deal to be the highest paid backup in the NFL uh, based on the top 100 rankings. The Niners have one of the best teams in the NFL seven 
of the top 100 players in the NFL are San Francisco 49ers. Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, uh, Jimmy Ward, and Kyle Juszczyk. Seven 49ers in the top 100, uh, which is insane to think. Uh, prior to the uh, Shanahan-Lynch regime taking over, uh, to think that the Niners would have a roster that was so good that the NFL, that the, the players believe that there's seven of the best 100 players are on a roster. They're, of course, coming off of an NFC championship appearance against the LA Rams. Probably should have been against Tampa Bay, but whatever. Probably still would have lost. But, um, I mean, the, uh, in the team roster, I thought they could go. Where do we go and bring up the depth chart? I need a depth chart here. That's what we need to do. Oh, oh God. But, you know, the Niners. Yeah, there's depth chart 2022. That's exactly what I'm seeing. Um, you know, we'll go on our land. Um, yeah, I mean, the big deal is the fact that Trey Lance is the starter. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will be the um, backup. And then Brock Purdy makes the roster and he's a rookie. So that'll be at the quarterback position. What is Trey Lance going to do? What can he do? Uh, you know, is uh, is he able to um, lead this team? He's going to have some some rough. He's going to have some rough patches. He's going to have some moments where people are going to wonder, uh, is he ready? But I'm not concerned about that. I believe in him. There's a reason why he was drafted three overall. There's a reason why. Um, Kyle Shanahan and and, and uh, John Lynch hedged um, and gave up a lot to put themselves in a position to get him. Uh, this team is is ready to go. Trent Williams is the best offensive lineman in the NFL, bar none. You want to watch his if you want to watch something that'll motivate you. Watch his um, uh, documentary talking about his return, just his life. Uh, prior to getting the NFL and what he had to deal with and then the cancer diagnosis and, and everything that went on with that, being able to get the surgery, come back and end up signing with the San Francisco 49ers and just have a resurgence and become and continue to be the best offensive lineman in the league. Um, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuels, one of the best common wide receiver combos in the league. Uh, Jawan Jennings really stood out as a slot last year. Um, the offensive line is going to be interesting. Uh, McGlinchey has to play better. Uh, if he if he doesn't, it's going to be a big problem. Spencer Buford is a rookie. Uh, he'll be starting at right guard. Jake Brendel is taking over at center, so it would be pressure on him. Aaron Banks, after getting drafted last year, is going to be starting at left guard, so he's going to have the security blanket of being next to Trent Williams, of course, uh, forget who the hell it was that was next to Trent Williams, and he just got broke off um, in free agency. Um, Elijah Mitchell is going to start the year as the starting running back, had a great year last year. Jeff Wilson initially will be the backup. Tyreon Davis-Price and Jordan Mason, who made it in um, uh, after a great uh, preseason, uh, will uh, be the running back by committee in a sense. Um, George Kittle, one of the best people in the league, one of my favorite players, period. Um, he, If he can have a healthy year and be the safety um, blanket, one of the big safety blankets along with Kyle Juszczyk, uh could really help Trey Lance in this offense. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa will make up 
one of the fiercest defensive lines. Javon Kinlaw's motivated as hell to show everybody that he can play, and he looks great. Um, Armstead, one of the best, uh, better defensive tackles in the league. Uh, essentially, it was like bust category, but it's become better. Nick Bosa's a freak of nature. Uh, the linebacker duo of Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner is one of the leaders of this organization, um, one of the best. And then um, the secondary is much improved. You have, um, they signed Shavarius Tavari- uh, Ward uh, from Kansas City, and uh, they have a man, E-Man there with Demandre Lenore, Ambry Thomas. The cornerbacks are better. Tavarius more and Tal- Talanoa Hafanga gives me kind of vibes of like like light um Troy Polamalu he hits really hard so the secondary is something people are questioning but I think they're going to be a good unit there um if Kinlaw can come back and really make some plays I think Drake Jackson is going to play and be a big part of what uh, get into the starting rotation soon enough and he is a freak of nature too so you put Bosa and Jackson out there with Armstead and Kinlaw good luck um we still have an issue at punter. Wisnowski sucks, but um, Robbie Gould is one of the best. Ray Ray McLeod is a great kick returner, uh, so that's not a that's not as big of a deal. We're actually in good shape there. Um, IU hopefully doesn't have to be called in to do returning punt returns. Um, Jimmy Ward is injured for the moment. He's on injured reserve. Jason Verrett's on pup. So those are two guys that would help in the secondary. Um, other than that trying to look at got some wide receivers on the practice squad Moko Ture uh, Tayshawn Gibson another safety uh, Jason Poe a guard who has some talent so I mean the Niners are going to be up there they're going to have a chance this year uh, for sure um, I hope so for my own heart and for my own health <laughs> because I just want them to win a Super Bowl that's the only thing I'm, I've got left really uh, the avalanche came through I have the picture over there I have the blurred screen but I have the picture and I have the hockey puck I have the hockey puck right there showing that you know I I want you know uh, my teams or drivers to win everybody wants that but I know I'm not going to see a, a World Series anytime soon for baseball even though my team or my favorite player is a beast. I know that basketball is never going to happen, but I love football. So my fantasy teams, my team in my league, I think is pretty competitive. I think our league is going to be awesome this year. Very tough. The league I drafted in today, I don't know so much how good it's going to be, but I'm going to compete. I'm going to compete every week, no matter what. Uh, Our keeper, the keeper league team that I have with Vic is a tough team as well on sleeper. And we have Joe Burrow as our quarterback, and we have Jonathan Taylor, Debo Samuel as well. We got Dallas Goddard and uh, what's his name, Damian Pierce. What does that say? No longer competing with Mac. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, because they cut him. Um, Stafford's our our flex quarterback. We have Trevor Lawrence, who we kept. We're very Jacksonville heavy, so uh, Josh would be happy about that. We have James Robinson and Travis Etienne as well. Um, That's a good deal there. Uh, Tyler Boyd, Isaiah McKenzie, and Garrett Wilson, the the top 10 pick for the New York Jets. Um, So we have that going on. Uh, So that team, I think, is pretty competitive. We have a good chance 
uh, this year. We had a rough year last year in that league, but I think uh, uh, we have a chance. Anyone agree? Team, I'm not going to. That was three hours ago. Um, the uh, other team I drafted today got a C grade, but I don't really agree with that. I do have, it's a one, it's a standard, more of a standard team. I drafted pretty solid, honestly. It's not pretty, but I drafted solid as a 12-team league. I have Dak, and I have A.A. Ron as my quarterbacks. And I have, um, might as well bring it up. I have uh, Cooper Cup. I was my number one pick. I was sixth pick. I have Cooper Cup and T. Higgins as my wide receivers. My running backs are kind of weak. DeAndre Swift, David Montgomery. Um, but I think there is potential there in Chicago, and I have Damian Pierce. You know, Dallas Goddard is my tight end. I have Hollywood Brown. I'm going to try to move Daryl Henderson through waivers. And that was kind of a panic pick. And I have Drake London, the Atlanta first-round draft pick wide receiver with Marcus Mariota. Since Kyle Pitts is really the only person he has to compete with for, for catches, they didn't give me a great grade, but I have some solid players there it's a deep league it's a league i've been in a lot my championship trophy is over there to my over my uh right shoulder and i've won that league twice so i hold it in high regard though i would rather win my league again and put my and and, and adjust my name tag on said belt with another championship to become uh six time i think in that sense all right so let's go and make some uh well i didn't make my super bowl pick so my Super Bowl picks, and it's not because of bias, because I, uh, my one of my good friends who also is in this league, uh, it's his team, but I do believe in the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Um, I have to work on my boomer. But the Buffalo Bills, I think, are going to make the Super Bowl. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Josh Allen probably is going to be the MVP. Um, could probably give Professor Jay a stroke um, if all of those things happen. But um, at least he'll be able to go, at least he'll be able to go out with his team winning a Super Bowl. Uh, I think Buffalo wins the Super Bowl. And uh, the team that makes the Super Bowl, uh, you brought them up, Josh, during your picks. You said the Rams and the Green Bay Packers. Well, I say the Green Bay Packers make the Super Bowl in Arizona, and um, A.A. Ron falls short uh, in this Super Bowl. for He's 1-1, um, hasn't been back since. He'll fall short this time. Um, the ayahuasca will not um, be uh, enough for him to get through. Um, he did the ayahuasca. He didn't want to describe when he was shitting and farting. Uh, to Pat McAfee, I'm sure he was doing that. Uh, if it was on the Stern show, he really would have told everybody that he shit and fart at the same time and pissed himself. It would have been great. Um, but he'll get to the Super Bowl and he'll watch the next generation of the NFL uh, go and beat him. They beat him on the golf course, but he ain't going to beat Josh Allen on the football field in this spot. Uh, so um, Buffalo Bills, Green Bay Packers, Super Bowl with the Buffalo Bills getting the victory. All right. So Formula One, this will be easy. Uh, Italian Grand Prix. Uh, preview. Uh, I think it's going to be an auto pick for the rest of this season, unless Max Verstappen doesn't show up. Um, I'm just going to say Max Verstappen's going to win. I'm just going to for the rest of the year. I, yeah, I'm me really, too. Yeah. Um, so, so we don't even like. I don't even think we need. I think what we should do is like, okay, who do we think is going to finish on the podium behind them, and is and who will qualify on pole? 
um, which there is a little bit more of a battle because Charlotte Claire and Max Verstappen, Charlotte Claire, seven poles. You've had four four guys that have qualified, five guys that have qualified on poles because George Russell also got one. Um, so there's a little bit more competition on Saturdays. Um, but yeah, Max Verstappen's going to win. Uh, I'm thinking, I said it on the grid talk earlier today uh, for the team, for the race preview. I said Charlie Claire finishes second and George Russell finishes third. Of course, I'd want to see Lewis win, win the pole and the whole bit, but but I'm not going to go there. I already know things aren't as good for him. So those are my picks. I figure Max wins the pole because they got the fastest car. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you there on, you know, we said Max Verstappen, um, obviously, I think, wins the race uh, for, for the pole. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with, you know, a little... Uh, Ferrari home cooking, I guess, their home Grand Prix. Um, I think maybe Charles Claire takes the pole, gives them a little hope, and then Ferrari, again, makes another mistake and embarrasses themselves in the race. And um, I mean, maybe they don't cost themselves because by that point, Max will have already taken the lead, but they may screw themselves out of a podium with one of their drivers once again. But uh, I'll take in qualifying. Uh, we'll go with... Uh, Charles Leclerc winning the pole. Uh, I think for the race itself, uh, second place, uh, you know, I'll go with uh, Lewis Hamilton finishing in second in the uh, little bit of a rebound after la- you know this past week at Dutch Grand Prix. But I think maybe he comes in second and takes home uh, a podium finish. Third, uh, go with uh, go with uh, Checo Perez in third. I think um, that's a solid pick to uh, Red Bull Mercedes sandwich there uh, for the uh, Formula One Italian Grand Prix. No uh, faith in the race because of Ferrari's strategy. I give you credit for going there, especially considering that Checo Perez in recent races has basically lost the plot in large part because Red Bull doesn't care um, about him and they put the the different floor on his car, which has made the car more unstable. Um, and they've kept on telling him he has to use it, even though it's not competitive, and um, they won't put it on Max's car. Uh, if it was such a great idea, put it on Max's car. The guy's going to win the world championship anyway. Let Checo run the car that he needs to feel more comfortable with so he can finish second in the world championship, because you're going to win the constructors. We already know you've won the drivers and you've won the constructors. Give Checo a chance to finish second in the world championship, if you were smart. But then Red Bull's never been known for doing that, which is why Colton Herta going there, as much as I'm not a fan of his, is probably not a great move for him uh, because they're probably going to fuck him over. But that's beside the point. We'll see what happens there. Um, in regards to, I mean, there's very little data for Laguna Seca races because they've only ran at Laguna Seca two times since for the IndyCar series. I'm trying to see who the, if anybody was in the race in 2004, uh, that's in this race this weekend. I know what Bourdais would have been, but no. Uh, Scott Dixon, well, no, he's no, already Dixon racing. Dixon wasn't in card. He was in the IRL. Yeah, so the, there's, uh, oh man, Guy Smith was driving. Damn. Um, Ryan Hunter Ray, no. Yeah, I think. Yeah, so the, there's only the people that have been running this last, uh, Scott Dixon has run at, at uh, Laguna Seca, though, before in 2000, from 2000 to 2002, Elio Castro Dash Neves has uh, experience there as well. Um, I'm trying to see who else 
I'm just digging. Yeah, Scott Dixon in 2002 actually finished sixth. Um, go through. The, he was the only guy that's in the race. He had Dario uh, in 2001. Uh, you had uh, Dixon who finished fourth, driving for Pac West. Elio Castroneves finished sixth, and then wow, Casey Mears is driving. Oh, he took over for the for um, Alex Zanardi after his crash. Uh, yeah, so those are the only two people that really had the experience prior to the return here a couple of years ago. No, Mamo Gidley finished on the podium. Jesus Christ. Um, in that race when Max Pappas won from 20, 25th <laughs> uh, because of cautions. That, that's pretty funny. Um, in, uh, in current results, I mean, just as a, uh, for instance, just looking at what has happened so far, of course, Colton Herta trying to put himself in a position to win, get himself into Formula One, has qualified on pole the last the two times they've run. This series is run at, at uh, Laguna Seca, and he's won both races at Laguna Seca. Uh, of the championship drivers for average finish, Joseph Newgarden has the best average finish. He has a 7.5 with two top 10. Scott Dixon has one top five and an average finish of eighth. And Will Power has one top five and an average finish of 14th. So as it stands, I'm, in regards to the points, I don't think that would be enough uh, for those two guys to um, overtake willpower. They're going to have to run better than that. Scott Dixon has over his career run in the top five at Laguna, but never won there. Um, Newgarden hasn't had that chance. If Colton Hurd is motivated knowing he's going to Formula One, you figure he's going to play a role. But I guess the real talk for Laguna sake of Josh is who's going to win the championship. I, we could pick winners and all pick a podium. We will. But I think the first thing we have to go over is who's going to win the championship. Is it going to be Will Power finally gets that second title? Or is Newgarden or, or Dixon going to add to their um, legendary um, career totals? Well, I think for me, it's going to be Will Power. I have a hard time believing anybody else uh, can come out and win this race or this championship. Uh, yeah, I think Will Power... It's been really good this year. He's been dominant. You know, he's, we've seen a different willpower, uh, a lot calmer than you know in years past. And I, I think you know this is probably probably his race, his championship to to win to lose. So um, I think for him, he, you know, he has a lot a lot of pressure. But I think he's going to handle this pressure differently than you know in years past when things would happen and break down and get emotional, get angry. Uh, I think, you know, this willpower is very calm and, you know, very collected. So I think, uh, you know, he's going to win, uh, the championship this weekend. You know, of course there's always bad luck that could happen. Maybe something happens and gets taken out and, you know, voice of Bob Jenkins, it's, um, you know, going back to 2012 when he wrecked out in California, he's going to be like, well, it's happened again. And, um, um, you know, the race that that race he got crashed uh, very early on and ended up losing to Ryan Hunter Ray that year, but I don't think that's going to happen this time. I think he comes out of Laguna Seca here on Sunday, uh, second uh, championship title for his career in IndyCar. Um, you know, solidify himself as one of the greatest drivers in this sport uh, with one more title, and um, you know, I'll go along with all the many poles that he has. So um, I have a hard time believing anybody else could get it, but. 
Um, it would it would take a lot, I think, for someone else to win win this championship. But you know, I I could see you know a scenario where you know Joseph Newgarden ends up winning the race, but uh, he ends up not winning the championship, and Will Power ends up you know finishing you know very close in the podium or uh, within the top five. So um, yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking this weekend. It's all all the pressures on Will Power, and you know I think um we're we're gonna see just how much growth he's made this season in terms of, you know, keeping himself calm. And who do you see for the podium and uh wild card possibility for this weekend's race at Laguna Seca? Well, uh I think wild card, uh, you know, we'll go with uh Callum Eilat. Finish the finish the year with a, a solid top ten finish uh for Hunko's team. Um, you know, I liked liked what he was able to do last weekend and you know, we'll see you know, we'll see what he what he can do uh here at Laguna Seca at the end of the year. So um would be a good good gauge of project progress not only for him as a driver but also the pace as a team. You know, they're one of the back end cars in IndyCar, but you know, if they can get a string together a couple of top tens that would be very uh encouraging uh, you know, to be able to end the year like that. So the um, what about the podium? Like do who do you say to win? Oh and the podium. Uh for podium I'm gonna go New Garden, Power, and then Colton Herta. Okay, so winner for this race will be uh, for Josh here right there. Uh, Janu goes and gets a sixth win uh, of the season, but Power uh, goes and wins the championship, and then Herta in what might be his final IndyCar race for a little while goes and finishes on the podium. For me, I'm going to pick Scott Dixon, not because it he's done so much that it makes me think that he's going to win this. It's Scott Dixon. Will Power has been the most consistent driver, but he's shown over time that he can't fade Ganassi. Penske's been the best team this year. Uh, Penske has been in the lead of this championship in the final race and have had bigger gaps around this kind of gap, but Scott Dixon has figured it out on the final weekend and done what he's had to do to win this championship. Once he lost the Indianapolis 500, I said that the only way for him to salvage this is if he goes, he's going to win a seven championship and he's run really, really well. And he's won a race. He tied Mario Andretti. He's one of the greatest drivers ever. That's no doubt for him to have the mistake that he made at Indianapolis was so rare for a goat, uh, he wants this championship. But he also has to qualify well. The only way that this actually comes off, because Laguna Seca is virtually impossible, it's no better than Snoroma. It's just that it's a better-looking racetrack. It's a better racetrack in general for IndyCars, uh, even though there's no, there's really like one-and-a-half passing zones there. Um, Scott Dixon has to have the best qualifying week or, or run on a road course he's had all year. If he does that, it's a real problem. Uh, I'm saying he's going to win this championship. He's going to make up the 20 point gap. He's going to win this championship. Um, he's going to do it by winning this race on Sunday. Uh, my, uh, podium will be Dixon, Herta, and, um, trying to see here, Dixon, Herta, and Pato Award because he's free. He can do whatever. Um, Dixon Herta Pato Award is your podium. Will Power has issues. 
um, and loses a championship. New Garden finishes in the top 10, but it's not enough. Uh, Scott Dixon gets the victory. Yeah, my I picked David Malouk as he was my rookie pick. He's my wild card selection again this week because um, he needs he needs to finish ahead of uh, Lundgaard to win Rookie of the Year. And Dave, the, the point is both of these guys are going to be in IndyCar for a long time. Uh, Alpine's kind of wishing they had Christian Lundgaard right now because they have an issue with their driver situation. Um, but Ray Hall's happy because now he has somebody he can build around because uh, he's a legitimate championship contender uh, driving for them before <laughs> before Ganassi probably picks him up. But um, but he won't be picked up for a while because they just signed him back for a few years. Um, I say that uh, David Belukas. Because it shows up on this road course and uh, has a top 10 result and is able to fade uh, the Christian Lundgaard and get that Rookie of the Year title, which would be huge for him and Dale Coyne Racing uh, for sure. All right. So uh, last thing before you get into your sim segment, Josh, uh, three three races this weekend. They haven't posted uh, the um, uh, entry list for the truck series. They're back uh, this weekend for the first time in a while. They've been off since uh, early August. They're going to have two races in a row here and three in like four weeks. Uh, so that'll that, so they're going to be kind of busy here. They're going to run Kansas, then they're going to run next Thursday night at Bristol, and then uh, they'll run at Talladega there uh, for and that. The, this is the end of the first round for their playoff, actually, the round of 10 uh, uh, this weekend. The points... Going into uh, the point, going into this race, sees uh, Chandler Smith and Grant Enfinger already in. Zane Smith, John Hunter, Nemechek, more than likely, are going to be in no problem. Ty Majeski, Stuart Friesen are pretty good points-wise. Ben Rhodes as well. The points battle to try to get in if there is no uh, other uh, winners amongst that group. Matt Crafton is three points ahead of Carson Osovar, six points ahead of uh, his teammate, Christian Eckes to go and uh, make the route of eight. So uh, I'll I'll take the uh, lead on this one um, for the Kansas Lottery 200 on Friday evening. Kind of go through the results here. They ran at Kansas earlier this year, and Zane Smith dominated. Um, personally, it I think it just makes sense that you, I pick Zane Smith. He's had a rough start to this playoff. Uh, he got the extension with Front Row Motorsports, kept him in the Ford camp. He's going to make his Daytona 500 debut more than likely in February. He's going to run in all three NASCAR, major NASCAR series. Uh, I think Zane Smith gets that victory and gives himself a little momentum going into this next round starting at Bristol. Um, my wild card selection for this race uh, at Kansas. I mean, I, I should just go back to the results from that race, and then I could probably give you something. The wild card selection. I mean, based on the current point standings, the top six drivers of that race were are now in the playoff. Um, and what is it? Uh, eight of the top ten. So, so the point is it the all the the most of the drivers that were in the playoff made the top 10 in this race earlier this year uh the only drivers that were 
<sighs> Stuart Friesen and Carson Hosevar. So Carson Hosevar is in trouble if it works out that way. Uh, he would need to have a miracle in that sense. Uh, the wild card to me would be um it's hard because the truck series is, is pretty awful um i am stumped i'm really stumped on this one i'm gonna pick you know what i mean Derek kraus it's everybody uh but the lottery but i'm gonna pick Derek kraus as my wild card for this event uh on uh, friday night he's been close before at different types of racetracks he is a K&N west champion multiple times which is why he's here with bill McAnally's team uh, they've made many crew chief changes over the years uh they finally come around and come through uh i probably should have you know what yeah i have another one in my head but i i'm gonna leave it alone i i'll go with Derek Krause. i'll stay with Derek Krause. uh how about you josh what are you looking for this at the for the trucks at kansas well i i think for for me um you know looking at uh the other smith chandler smith go out and uh win this race currently ranked uh first in playoff standings and um you know i think he's been the better uh of the two kbm cars full-time uh this year and um you know he's starting to come along now and uh you know really uh be um one of the good better drivers in the series so you know i'm expecting um uh chandler smith come out and win this race um i think zane smith is a good pick too but yeah i, I think uh I'm going to go with the Toyota Power here to end this first uh, round uh, in the playoffs um, as we go into Kansas. Uh, I I think for wildcard pick, I mean, yeah, it's pretty tough uh, based on what, you know, we've been looking at this year. And there's a lot of slim pickings throughout this field. Um, But I guess I'm going to go pick Matt DiBenedetto to uh, be a wildcard. He finished top 10. Uh, in this race back in May, uh, finished he finished in uh, seventh place. Uh, he's not in the playoffs right now, so uh, I think he'll be a wild card uh, to watch. Uh, I think the mile and a half he was good at uh, during his tenure with uh, Wood Brothers Racing, and you know, I think he can um, you know bring out uh, some surprise run uh, this weekend for Kansas in the Truck Series. So um, yeah. We'll see who gets eliminated here uh, after this race, but um, you know, looking at the results or the standings going into here, you know, you have Hosovar, Christian Eckes on the outside looking in uh, so far, but you know, things can change a mile and a half. Crafton's uh, on the on the edge, uh, but you know, we'll we'll see uh, what happens after this race. But you know, looking forward uh, to you know seeing Truck Series for the first time in a couple weeks since uh august 13th so been a while for chucks uh here in uh this season yeah i figure hosevar is gonna get knocked out unfortunately uh he's had some there's been some questionable moves they made when he got hurt uh how they handled that situation at snoroma really i think might have been uh an issue and then there's probably a couple other races there but um, not being able to win, I think, is going to play a role. Maybe they show up. Maybe Ross Chastain uh, races this weekend for them and helps them get into the round of eight, which would probably knock out Matt Crafton. I think the points as they are right now is going to stay. I think the two guys that are out right now, which is uh, Ekis and uh, Carson Osovar, 
are going to be out, which in turn opens up an opportunity for Carson Osovar to go and maybe have an opportunity to um, go and uh, do a little bit of a, a uh, I guess, a preview or a, do a job interview with Junior Motorsports since the nine car is going to be open next year. Um, I think Carson Osovar is one of the main players that could possibly get in that ride. I think Drew Dollar decided he's going to quit because he knows he sucks and people hate him and he knows he could probably make more money being a shitty salesman or whatever the hell his dad does. Um, so Carson Osovar is in play for that nine car and um, if he can get in it, it could be huge for him and his career considering what that car is brought up to the cup series you have three drivers that are all in the playoffs one that's a champion and two that are you know that have possibilities to be champions at some point in their career if they do the right things um that are all got out of that nine ride before gagson uh took over so uh, and gagson's gonna go to the cup series as well so that car has been known to do that it may not work out in the trucks, but I think Carson Ozovar has a good future ahead of him. Okay, let's get into the Xfinity series here. That stupid face that he made. He's, he looks retarded. I mean, he is retarded, but whatever. Um, Kansas Lottery 300. They'll practice and qualify on Friday, run Saturday afternoon at Kansas Speedway. Their one race they have at Kansas this year. Um, I'm going to go and bring up the results so far this year in California. When it comes to the one and a half mile racetracks, it looks like um, Ty Gibbs is pretty good at those. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, you got Olga there, Reddick, one of Texas, and Barry at Charlotte. That's last time Barry won. Olga Nashville, Road America. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, Ty Gibbs. I would say all is another one. It, it it kind of rolls into where uh, Ty Gibbs, all Noah Gregson goes and and gets that victory there. Kansas Speedway um, is a more of a wide open track, a little more fuel mileage. I mean, the whole fuel mileage thing has been taken away because of these stupid stages, honestly. Um, but uh, I'll go and make my picks here first for the Xfinity Series race and in regards to Kansas Speedway. The top drivers on this 10 races. Yeah, we'll do that. Uh, active drivers only. Yeah. In the last in the last uh, 10 races, yeah, Ty Gibbs uh, won their last fall. And A.J. Allmendinger uh, finished third. Reddick is a great track record there with an average finish of third, but he's probably not going to race in this race. Uh, Don Hunter, Austin Hill finished fifth. Hmm, interesting. Uh, in the one race he ran. And um trying to see Sam Mayer had a, had a uh, top 10 finish. And Daniel Hemrick has an 8.8 .8 finish in five races there. So, so I mean... For me, I'm going to pick Ty Gibbs to win this win this race on Saturday. Uh, AJ Allmendinger goes and gets that regular season title, though, and gets those 15 playoff points, which are going to be huge. Gibbs gets another victory. Allmendinger goes and locks up the regular season title. My uh, wild card pick. I mean, it's it's not really a wild card pick, but 
Um, at the end of the day, Sam Mayer has not won a race. So if Sam Mayer goes out there and wins, you know, it'd be huge for him and for junior motorsports. He's going to be back next year. He's another uh, Chevy development driver. Uh, they've been building uh, the eight team. Of course, their crew chief is going to become the director of competition. So they're going to need another crew chief. So that'll be interesting. wonder if they'll slide. Uh, what's his name from the nine car over? Or if he'll go to the Cup Series. I forget what the hell um, crew chief is. Is that Luke Lambert? Yeah. I wonder if Luke Lambert will go with uh, Noah Gregson up to the Cup Series at Petty GMS. I figure he would. It would make sense. So then they'll need a whole new team there. And then Bumgardner is going to be the director of competition at um, Junior Motorsports, taking over uh, Pemberton, who left. But Gibbs wins wild card. Uh, Sam Mayer and my and AJ Elmendinger wins the regular season. What are your uh, thoughts and picks there, Josh? Yeah, I, mean, I think for me, my my thoughts on the series. I think you know Justin Allgaier has been pretty solid all year and has been pretty good at the mile and a half. So I think, and um, you know, I I like your Ty Gibbs pick there. If it feels like it's been a while since Ty Gibbs has won a race. Uh, suddenly, even though he has the most wins. In this series, it's almost like he's an afterthought because the success between the 7 and the 9 and even the 8 car this year from uh, Junior Motorsports. Uh, But, you know, I'm going to go the other way and pick uh, Algar to go uh, win this race um, and uh, put himself uh, in position for the playoff points. Uh, It would be behind... uh, I mean, he'd be behind Ty Gibbs and Noah Gregson and break a tie with uh, Almendinger in uh, terms of wins uh, and potentially playoff seating as we go uh, to the uh, start of this NASCAR Xfinity playoffs. And, um, you know, you you took my wildcard pick. I was thinking about Sam Mayer as a wildcard, but uh, you took it from me, but that's that's all right. Uh, At least one of us picked him as a wildcard. So, you know, I'll go with him. Uh, with the guy right below him in the standings, uh, Daniel Hemrick, of course, last year's champion. But you could pick struggling. him too. But I figure I was gonna. Yeah. I was looking at Hemrick because he's one of my guys. Well, so yeah, at we, the end of the day, I don't want to pick the same guy, but for this, but um, it's a good hedge. Yeah. I was thinking about Hemrick, and I would have left him out, like because I guess we're on the same wavelength that way. So it makes sense. I think it makes sense but give your thoughts on Henrik I have a couple thoughts on him too yeah I mean you know Henrik's been struggling this year overall and he's only I mean he's had a couple stage wins but you know hasn't really done too much in I series. was at Daytona when he qualified on yeah. pole he won both stages the first two stages at Daytona from pole he has not done shit since February based oh yeah on like literally like he he went and won the Xfinity series title last season getting into the door of Austin Cindric uh on the last lap in turn turn three and four. Uh and he basically was like, Yep, GG after that. So uh but I mean he's a solid driver in terms of uh being able to um not be bad in this series. But feels like, you know, the people above him, um, you know, when Riley Herps is above you and you're the champion, that says a lot. So, yeah. you know, that's that's uh, kind of what it's looking like. Although, Riley Herb's credit, he's improved a lot. I feel like this year we've seen him run top 10 quite consistently compared to compared to the past. But, yeah, for me this weekend, uh, I'm going to go with Algar 
winning the race and then Hemrick as the wild card. Although uh, I see you here saying that AJ is going to win the title for the regular season, but we still have two more races left, right? Because they end after Bristol, don't they? Yeah, but they but he yeah. has a fifty-one point lead entering. Yeah, the maximum you can get is sixty, right? Okay, so yeah. he, if he over if he can gain nine points, I mean, essentially that stages. If he does a good job, if he goes out and goes and fades all of our picks that we made. Let's just say he actually wins on an oval on Saturday. Then it's over. Um, he's done the job to earn that. I figure he was going to do it. But whether that lasts over the playoffs is a whole other discussion. I don't think Allgaier can, I mean, A.J. Allmendinger can fade uh, Gibbs and Junior Motorsports. That's too much uh, because you have all, like, all four drivers at Junior Motorsports are pretty solid, though there are two that are really good, and you have Gibbs. He can't fight three guys against one. That's what he's doing. His two teammates are 11th and 10th and 11th in points. And one of them is the defending series champion. And I love Daniel Hemrick. He's one of the greatest people there is in this sport. And he needed that win to validate his career and for all that himself and also his wife went through getting railroaded out of the sport. Um, Hemrick, one of his more mediocre performances in the Cup Series this past weekend at Darlington, too. He's a one and done in the playoff at the rate that things are going if he gets in. Uh, if somebody backdoors a win on field mileage, if like Anthony Alfredo or something backdoors a win on field mileage or has fresh tires late, it wins a race or Jeremy Clements or whatever. I mean, Bristol's a cluster. You can get knocked out. That's a 250 lap race. You can get knocked out of that deal and you can lose a ton of points. Um, so Hemrick has to show up here this weekend and make something happen. All right. Last yeah. thing, last race before we get into the sim segment is the uh, race at Kansas Hollywood Casino 400 where BZF owns that uh, shithole casino. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to be in the race as because they haven't they're, all the entry lists get posted on Tuesday. So we don't get to go over that. Um, Josh, uh, you are first. Uh, you get that opportunity um, in regards to who do you see at Kansas uh, getting this victory? I mean, just going back to the results from earlier this year. When they ran at Kansas earlier, Kurt Busch won this race in the 45 car. The Toyotas were dominant. Christopher Bell uh, won the pole uh, for this race, but Kurt Busch led the most laps and won. Kyle Larson finished second. Kyle Busch third. Denny Hamlin fourth. Christopher Bell fifth. Five Toyotas in the top six. Ross Chastain was seventh. Bell fifth. Uh, Truex sixth. Uh, Bowman was ninth. Bubba Wallace was tenth. He's in this playoff with the 45 car. Sindrick finished 11th. Laney 12th. Dylan 13th. Uh, Kevin Harvick 15th. Byron 16th. He led 25 laps. Uh, Logano uh, finished 17th after starting 34th. Uh, Trying to go and scroll through here amongst the playoff drivers. Briscoe finished 24th. Chase Elliott scored stage points in both stages, led 10 laps, but only finished 29th. Tyler Reddick scored stage points in stage one, but finished 30th. Eric Jones coming off of his victory at Darlington. He only finished 32nd in this race. Daniel Suarez 
finished 33rd. He had issues in this race um, back in May. So, um, so with with that, and after everything that went on yesterday, um, it, we're we're in a place right now where this Cup Series battle is going to go down to the wire because it's so wide open, Josh. But the guy that won this race in May is not here. He may not be here for a while. He may not be back until February. Maybe he's not going to be back at all. Um, the way things are lining up, I'm starting to assume that's what's going to happen. Um, with all the hedging that's going to go on, there's entirely, there's with rumors, there's certain things that could happen to where he might be back. But I don't think Kurt's, I think Kurt's done and um, it'd be unfortunate. But this was his, this will probably be his last win. He won in Jordan Brand Toyota. It was a Toyota benefit in May. There were certain races this year where Toyota's dominated. Uh, do you think it's a Toyota benefit again? Or are we looking at a little more balance? Are we looking at the Chevys coming back to the forefront? Uh, or are we going to see Ford finally do something at a racetrack where they've done well at in the past with like Penske and uh, even Kevin Harvick and, and Stuart Haas over time? Well, I don't think it's necessarily going to be a Toyota uh, domination like it was back in uh, the spring, but I think here, uh, you know, in the very end of the summer here, um, I'm going to, you know, I, I think um, the second guy that, or the second place guy from that race, Kyle Larson, I think he can come out and win this race. Uh, he uh, had a chance to win back in the spring and, you know, I feel like they're still good on a uh, mile and a half, the Hendrick uh, program as a whole. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick uh, Kyle Larson when win this race uh, on Sunday. Uh, I feel like you know mile and a half this year they they've been good uh, and they've had chances to win this one uh, back in the spring and then look at the 600 back in uh, May. They you know both those mile and a half tracks that stand out to me that they had chances to win but didn't uh, win the race and you know you know he finally got a, a second win at. Uh, Watkins Glen so I think he can add a third one and then lock himself into uh, the next round by taking the W here uh, this weekend for Kyle Larson uh, and um, yeah, I think for the rest of the you know playoff field I think this will be a rebound for Chase Elliott and I think even Kevin Harvick this will be a rebound uh, but some of the other guys like um, you know Dylan uh, Suarez uh, Chase Briscoe they might might have a bit of a struggle here uh, trying to, you know, get themselves into the next round and uh, get enough points uh, in the next round. So we'll have to see what happens. But um, I think for me as a wild card, you know, I'm going to go with Bubba Wallace as a wild card, uh, even though, yeah, they are in the owner's championship. Uh, you know, Bubba finished in 10th uh, place back in the spring. He uh, probably should have finished better than that. But, you know, they had, I think they had issues with their, their pit crew. Uh, back in that race, I think they had like a, a top five car uh, there, and I think up to Issues that point, qualifying yeah. too after practicing number one. Yeah, so yeah, that that too, and um, you know, I think Bubba has a chance to go out and get another top ten finish for uh, the forty five team, maybe even a top five. So, and I think they'll rely on their notes from the spring, you know, as a company, and you know, I think you know they'll be able to. Uh, you know, make make a little bit of noise uh, in the uh, top running in the top ten this weekend. So, yeah, that's that's what I've got for this weekend, and you know, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, the points are going to be 
uh, interesting to look at going into Bristol, which is always a difficult race. The Bristol Light Race is always one of the more intriguing races. And now it's a, instead of being in its August slot where it was for so many years and like traditional, uh, now it's a cutoff race in the playoffs in the middle of college football season, which is great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, your picks are good for sure. Um, I'm, I want to go and try to bring up the, uh, yeah, I don't want to. Uh, recent results at Kansas Speedway before I make a make a decision on my my picks in regards to my picks uh, you pick Kyle Larson he's he's pretty good and Bubba Walls who had a great run there uh, in the spring I'm gonna go and pick Martin Truex Jr. so I'm going to say that two non-championship competitors are going to win the first two races, which means that the points are in play going into Bristol. Um, there's nobody locked in, at, theoretically. I mean, there will be people that are locked in, I believe, if you score enough points. Uh, you have to just score essentially 50, I think. I mean, 60 is the maximum you can score in a race, but if you're 60... So, a few people are going to be in a position to lock in, I think. I think Joey Logano will score enough points to get himself in. Uh, based on the current uh, points, you look at uh, him and William. Yeah, I think Joey Logano will lock in, no problem. And then the rest of them, I it, it's better for the playoff, honestly, if Martin Truex wins or Ryan Blaney wins even, well, Ryan Blaney wins, he's in the playoffs, so it's, that's enough. So I'm saying Martin Truex wins this race on Sunday. Uh, my wild card choice for this one. Ugh. My wild card's Brad Keselowski. He's won there at Kansas before, and he had a great run at Darlington on Sunday. The sixth team seems to have turned the corner, and maybe it's at the expense of Christopher Busher, but... It is his team, so um, I'm picking Truex. I'm picking Brad Keselowski as a wild card uh, to for Kansas Speedway this coming weekend. Both of them are former winners at this uh, racetrack. We'll see what happens with those picks, but uh, I think the championship battle will be interesting as we go along, and we'll talk about it here on episode 134 next week. Um, with that, let's uh, give the floor to you, Josh. Uh, for the sim segment, a lot of things going on, not only in iRacing with Formula One 22, they have the new Formula One manager game. There's other games going on, upgrades uh, with certain games and certain tracks being added. So what is uh, going on on your end in regards to the sim side? Yeah, I think for me, you know, this week um, is between it's the end of season three on iRacing and now we're getting into season four. Uh, so they've added new stuff new content and it's week 13 so um it's going to be you know the week where nothing counts and you can do anything you want uh i think this week i'll probably be looking at the ferrari gt3 uh you know running at uh spa that's tomorrow night um they change tracks every night uh tonight was the uh 24 hours of the mons track well actually actually uh no that's tomorrow. It starts the Le Mans track, and then, then Wednesday is Spa, and then uh, Road America at the end of the week. I think on the twelfth, they'll run that. Uh, so that might be something to look at. Um, 
13th week ridiculousness. Uh, I think that's where everybody's running. Uh, they've got the uh, next-gen cup cars along with the Dallara IR18 and the Arca Menards uh, Chevrolet Impala. So that's the old uh, Xfinity car from you know 2010 and prior uh, running at Talladega. That runs today and I think tomorrow. It's a 15-lap event, so running the next-gens with the Dallara IR18, that might actually be interesting and very ridiculous. And then they run the rest of the schedule for that is Daytona Oval, Iowa Speedway Oval, Indy Road Course, Talladega, Daytona, and then Indy Oval next week. So, um, again, none of these races actually count. They're all for fun in between uh, season releases for iRacing, but it's going to be crazy running an IndyCar along same, uh, the same race as uh, a NASCAR Cup car. So it's going to be a wild one there. Then um, probably another series I'll look at is the for week 13 is the uh, MX-5 Mazda Cup 13th week. They run at Laguna Seca. Uh, Olden Park, Sakuba Circuit, Olden Park, Lime Rock Park, Okayama, Full Circuit, or International Circuit, the full course, and then Summit Point Raceway. So those are some of the races I'm going to be looking at. Uh, definitely going to try to run IndyCar and NASCAR at the same time at you know one of those super speedways. That should be uh, incredibly wild because we're going to be going, you know, the IndyCar is going to be going 240, and then the Cup car is going to be um, trying to stay in the line and ranging from you know 185 to 200 uh at at points so that's gonna be crazy to to see so i might i definitely have to stream that one if i do that because um i've never done anything like that before uh on iRacing and then as far as the news side i know they of course season four so um they've got uh new releases this week uh or this season they got the porsche mission r i think that's the new uh car that's going to be released. Uh, Motorsport Arena Oschler Sleben. Uh, I don't know how to say that, but that's a German track. Um, uh, that's going to be Sleben, I think, is how yeah. it is. I think, yeah. Yeah. So that's released this week. Um, uh, free base content for season four the uh, Rud- Rudskigen Motor Center. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's another open wheel car, uh, Norway. Uh, oh, or, oh, no, actually, it's a racetrack, so it's a Norwegian racetrack uh, in Norway. Uh, that should be interesting to play as a as a free-to-play base uh, content. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, there. If any of the series, road series that I've run can uh, race on that track, might be an interesting track uh, there. But, uh, yeah, I played a little bit of F122 this season, or this, this weekend, so uh, might might try to stream that if I can figure out how to do it on PlayStation, uh, figure that out. Um, you talked about F1 manager coming out. I have not downloaded that yet. Uh, maybe I might download it and then try to imitate Ferrari strategies. Uh, see, see how bad, how bad can you, is it to, uh, you know, be a formula one, uh, strategy decision maker. Um, cause I feel like, you know, if, you know, somebody like me can, uh, determine the strategy for Ferrari, then, or for any team, then it shouldn't be that hard for Ferrari, and maybe they need to reconsider who their, uh, you know, who their guys are for strategy making and all that stuff. Because you know they clearly have found every way to lose this year uh, in Formula One. But 
you know, we'll see. Although I do need to, I think it's become to a point where I need to find new space on my hard drive for the PlayStation because I'm out of space now after downloading a bunch of other games, uh, uh, you know, Formula 122, uh, Madden 23, and uh, some other games that I've got that I play with my other friends. But um, yeah, we'll see uh, if I can do that. And then PC side, I'm also running out of space because got all the recordings from this show uh, stored on my hard drive and I need to go buy a new hard drive because I've run out of space now. So uh, still have enough room for the next couple of recordings, but it's got to happen sooner than later because um, got to be able to uh, have space on, on this thing. I might have to take on my old hard drives and format it so I can put all the stuff on our our show on that and uh, store it there. So or new cloud storage or something there. So I'll have to figure that out. But um, it's, yeah, I'll have to figure that out as we continue to produce these shows, which actually leads us into transition into the end, of course, uh, with um, you know, on my end, the iRacing stuff, as I talk about, always going to be Twitch TV slash Usiller 2. That's where you can find me whenever I stream and whenever I you know do anything on iRacing, you can watch there and uh, watch me do do my thing on there. So follow me there, Twitch TV slash Usiller 2. And then uh, my Twitter account, of course, where I have all my takes, all my opinions on everything that happened in NASCAR this weekend, uh, Formula 1, IndyCar, all that stuff. Go on there at JP Huffine. Again, uh, at JP Huffine, where you can find all my Twitter content and uh, opinions on uh, anything that I'm interested in. And then, of course, our page here, uh, the Grip Shirt Podcast can be found on YouTube. You can go on there, Grip Shirt Podcast on YouTube, subscribe, and uh, get our videos. You can watch the video version of this this show and see you know our interviews with Joe Pacero, uh, Ralph Shaheen, and other many other people that we've had on this show uh, since we started recording. Uh, go on there and see our, our content uh, on the YouTube side and subscribe. And we'll have our remaining episodes from last week uh, up there soon. Uh, just had busy weekend, so I was able to get those up there, but we'll get up there soon. And, of course, this one that we're recording right now will be up there soon. So uh, go follow us on, on the YouTube side uh, and subscribe. Give a comment, like our videos, and uh, support the page. So... Yeah, that's it for me, Phil. I'll leave you to do the rest of the close. All right. Yeah, thanks, brother. I know that uh, we should go and follow you on your Twitch feed um, because you're great at what you do behind the wheel. You're great at what you do here as a co-host of the GSP. So let's uh, support Josh in his endeavors for sure. Uh, for us, we're almost at 100 followers on our Twitter feed. It's it's taken a while, but we're almost at 100 followers. I don't know how many of them are legitimate. Who cares? I didn't buy. We haven't bought anybody. I am pretty sure they're all fake. Not all of them. No, but... they're not all of them, but the vast majority of them. But I don't care. I just want 100. <laughs> um, so we're close to that. Uh, so hoping we can get to 100 followers. And um, here by the end of this year, I figure we'll be able to end of the racing season. We'll be able to get that. Uh, we are on, um, basically anywhere. The Gripshire podcast is anywhere. You can find podcasts on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, Verbal, our YouTube page at Gripshire podcast, where we post the videos. Um, we, yeah, I have the pinned tweet from episode 125, uh, recently. I don't know. I guess we have, I didn't pin anything elsewhere, but we're at episode 131, right? Or 133 right now so we'll try to get that out here prior to the weekend starting uh we'll be back you can find me at philip g matthew on twitter 
Find me at Philip G. Matthew 28 on Instagram, uh, philipgmatthew.com. The show was posted over there. It's my WordPress page. Um, bowling season is starting, so I'll be busy with that twice a week. We'll also have football. We'll have motorsports. We're going to be busy right now. Running out the end of this season uh, here this next uh, three months. So a lot to talk about. We'll be back next week for uh, episode 134 of the Grifter Podcast covering IndyCar's season finale. We'll talk about NASCAR Kansas. We'll talk about the Italian Grand Prix in Formula One and everything else in the world of motorsports and sports, football, week one, our fantasy teams. How do they look? We'll talk about all that here on the Grifter Podcast next week. So uh, tune in. Thanks, as always, for listening to us. Give us a like, subscribe, do the whole bit. Um, Tell your friends about us. Go and listen to us during your workday. You can get all the information you need in one spot, and you're going to get the real information from us. You're not going to get it. There's no imposters. There's no fraudulent shit here. This is real talk, and it's real fandom, and it's real people. So with that, for Josh, I'm Phil. We'll be back next week for the Gripshire Podcast, episode 134. Take care. God bless and goodbye.